Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody looking forward to the weekend, weekend Friday. Good morning, everyone. Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Crimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is here. And we are ready for four hours of stellar programming here on 101 ESPN. How are you kids four? doing? Four? Are yeah, we, we, we going to 7 to 10? Oh, we are. Right. You get, no, it's, uh, we're, uh, we, usually go to, uh, we, usually, we usually go to 11, but Tim McKernan uh, um, today is, uh, is not... Filling so, in for us. So we're going to 11. Going That's to 11. Our, so our normal show is 7 to 11. And when Tim fills in for us, yeah. we get that last hour off. There you go. It's very special when he does that for us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Still waiting talk- on that mac and cheese, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to talk to Jay Delsing at the bottom of this hour about the U.S. Open, which is underway. We'll give you the scores there in a moment. MLS season pass analyst Jaime Macias will join us in the 8 o'clock hour. And in the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to talk some ball with our buddy Chip Carey from the Bally Sports Midwest broadcast. Cardinals back in action tonight as they take on the new... And they had an uneventful day in New York, hopefully. Uh, Well, okay, it was. (laughs) And uh, they're going to start a three-game series against the Mets. Michaelis will go tonight, Wayno tomorrow, and then Matthew Libertor on Sunday. Father's Day and the Cardinals, I don't know if they need to get things turned around. It'd be nice, I guess, if they would win a few games, but even if the Cardinals turn it around and they're as good as they can possibly be for the second half of the season, as good as they can possibly be, this particular player, group of players, they aren't going anywhere. So, yeah, it'd be nice to win a game. It'd be nice to make us feel better. But in, at the end of the day, big deal. See, I, I feel like <laughs> – Randy is funny. I feel like <laughs> that, that people are, are looking at this the wrong way. We, we continue to talk about the record and being – was it 14 games under 500 right now? Mm-hmm. That's a concern for everyone. That's not the number to look at. The number to look at is the division. Where are you in the division? Because as long as it's not double digits and it's not late July, you still have a chance to make a run. So you might be a team under 500 and making it into the playoffs. It doesn't matter. If you get hot at the right time and continue to win, you want to be the hot team going into the playoffs. So let, let, let don't 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 panic just yet. I said okay. yesterday, if it's July 15th and you're still, if you're double-digit games back in the division, yeah, it's it's a wrap. And they're almost At the end of the day. Di- yeah, almost double-digit games back now in the wild card. Nine and a half back in the wild card race. Eight back in the division Man, behind. Up the half a game without even playing. Look yeah, at that. There we go. <laughs> this is amazing. The, the first place... <laughs> 
2023 World Champion Pirates. Oh yeah, you guys, you guys believe that, right? That I Pittsburgh mean, is still in first place. Does that tell hey, you? And, and, they, I, and they've been better. They've been better. I'll, I'll give them that. We, we can't pretend that this is the Pittsburgh Pirates of old, but still, it is a little weird that the Pittsburgh Pirates are in the first place of the division, right? I got friends in Pittsburgh, and they are shocked. <laughs> uh, no they lie. don't know what they, to do they, about they, it. They, they like, we know what the hell is this? We we're we're actually winning. Like that was the Unreal. response I got. We're we're actually winning. Yeah. I like, don't know what's going on. It's crazy. By the way, the Cardinals do not see Verlander or Scherzer this weekend. Taylor McGill tonight. Cody Senga, who's their best pitcher ah, this year, yeah, going sure. tomorrow, and then. Carlos Carrasco is going against the Cardinals on Sunday. Meanwhile, City will travel to Nashville for this weekend's match on the pitch in Brooks' hometown. Big hole in the middle of the lineup. Blom is out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Ed, Edwin Lubin could be questionable after missing training. That's practice. Uh, due to a quad injury. Quad injuries can be bad. And then uh, you also don't have the big fella already. So uh, it's going to be... A, a snootful when City plays in Nicheville. Yeah, Lewin, uh, Lewin too, he's second on the team with goals, and that's just huge to lose him. And with Blom, we've been talking about how essential he is to this group, especially defensively, too, and what he brings. There's been a huge difference when he returned as well, so this is going to be a huge issue for City SC to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, quad injuries are awful. Quads and hamstrings are. I would say a quad is actually worse. I mean, hamstring, you, you kind of, the quad doesn't ever oh, really man. feel, it's just a weird injury to get. But I think, hopefully, you know, the injuries are piling up. We've seen it. Klaus has been out for a while, which. Who's back uh, first, Klaus or Ty- uh, Tyler O'Neill? Klaus. Oh, that's, that's they, a good They've question. been out about the same yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to say Klaus because Klaus is a, what is it, a hamstring? What, what did he have? What was his injury? Hammy. Hamstring. Okay. Yeah, and, and Tyler O'Neill has a bad back. How, do, how long has he had that? Oh, about a week back. He's also no. got, uh, by the way, he, he's no. also. No. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> no more Every back day. injuries. He's got, a, uh, he got a, an injection into his back, and hopefully he'll be able to, to bounce Back. Back. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, Miggy probably starts in Blom's six spot, and Indy, Indiana Jones gets moved back to the eight to replace a do. So, uh, there you go. So, the go city soon. has it listed as a quad for Klaus as well. Is it a, cl- is it a quad? It is quad, for uh, quad injuries are, I'm telling you, he they are. It. They are, because, yeah, that's a that's a Just strange. Trying to work back. He was supposed to be about a week away, re-aggravated in, another, added about another like three months, three, three Quads, weeks to the timeline. Any soft tissue, quad, calf, hamstring. Hamstring, I would prefer over any of those. Quad and calf, meh. Most amazing quad return I ever saw was Steven Jackson. He was only out for two weeks with a pretty bad quad injury. Yeah. And uh, came out, didn't practice all week, and then he ran for like 160 against somebody. He's a, he's oh a man. He was a beast. He's a man. Yeah. He's, if he would have, Brooke, been, if Steven Jackson would have been drafted to almost any other team, he would be a Hall of Famer. I feel bad for him, too. Yeah. Because he, he did. He did a lot with not a lot. Oh, he did man. a lot with a little bit of work around him. Yeah. He's competitive a competitive guy. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, he, he was Derrick Henry. He really was. Yeah. Size, Except speed. He caught he caught 90 balls one yeah. year. Yeah. So he was. He, he was a stud. Yeah. Hey, the U.S. Open got underway at the L.A. Country Club. It was, it's so weird because we've never seen the L.A. Country Club before. They have been offered the opportunity to do U.S. Opens in the PGA in the past. And this is a 125-year-old course that was built before Los Angeles was Los Angeles. It was surrounded by oil fields and dirt and dust. And now they built Los Angeles. And you see the shots 
the the television shots, and there's downtown L.A. right there off in the distance. Well, yesterday, Ricky Fowler, who has not had a good two or three years, and Xander Shoffley each fired record 62s to get the U.S. Open started. And it's an unbelievable leaderboard. It's a great leaderboard, and hopefully we'll get more of the same today. I really like seeing Ricky Fowler back because I think that he is a fun golfer, and one time we were playing in Florida during spring training, and the caddy that we had said Ricky Fowler is the nicest guy in the world. So I always root for him. Good. This caddy also said that uh, Cal Ripken was a jerk. Oh. Mm-hmm. Probably... Any any stories there that he had? Uh, just that he was. Uh, Cal Ripken treated a caddy like he he kind of owned him. Hmm. I guess. It was, it was oh. Not the most pleasant situation. So anyway, I, I root for Ricky Fowler, and I like this leaderboard because you've got Rory up there. You've got a pretty strong group. And so I, uh, I, I'm i all about uh, what's happening at the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. And it was easier, apparently, than it's supposed to be. So Shoffley and Fowler, both at eight under. Uh, Wyndham Clark. Can you say <laughs> Wyndham Clark in Southern Forest, please? Wyndham Clark. There you go. He's uh, tied for third place with Dustin Johnson. Uh, the rock shake his head every time she does the southern accent. You don't like the southern bell? It, it, it hits my ears wrong. <laughs> it uh, hits your ears wrong. You're something different. I, I have a buddy in the golf industry. Tell me if you agree with this. That's kind of concerned about the combination of Dustin Johnson and Los Angeles oh. this weekend. Oh. With good reason, I would assume. Yeah, I, mean, he, I, I would he think likes so. To, did, what? Well, yeah, he, he, he's a. <laughs> yeah, right. he, he likes to play in the snow. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And Brian Harmon and Rory McIlroy are, are at five under. And okay, I want this on Sunday. Wyndham Clark and Bryson DeChambeau. Would that not be a great final pairing on Sunday at the U.S. Open? Why well, just have Tad and Biff in the pair pairing before him? <laughs> I was going to say, what is, what, what is this? LA Country Club presents Gone with the Wind? At the club. Yeah. Presents Gone with the Wind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so uh, that's great. And c- final thing, congratulations to the USA uh national men's team last night. They took care of Mexico. And we got a big rivalry with Mexico. We beat them by a score of 3-0, we being the USA. And it looks like Greg Berhalter is coming back as our coach. So all the controversy that took place after the World Cup was for naught. He's going to come back and be the coach, and hopefully uh, the USA World Cup team next time will win the World Cup rather than ruin our days. We got a really good question here okay. on the text line. This is an important question. Uh-oh. Did Rock make his bed this morning? Did you? No chance. Did you? <laughs> no chance, Randy. I agree. <laughs> just go ahead. No. The answer is no, obviously, because you you would have already answered it by now. Uh, I didn't make the bet I was in last night. Oh. oh, oh okay. Oh, oh, well done. Oh. Excuse me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there you go. I, I'm count one, two, three, four, huh. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, the eleven p- pelt. 11 throw pillows and I, I put them I put <laughs> all, all 11 throw pillows when you when you put right by the time you get to like the 6th and 7th one I'm are you just arc. are you come on is there, is there <laughs> rage starting to set in every morning <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up rock and roll today we're gonna have to play some audio from a certain fast lane segment where me and Jamie got a bone to pick that's all I'm saying oh yeah Uh-oh. I think I did yeah, I'll that. pick a bone with Jamie I'm is not it scared. about the bed making should I can you stand in front of me? I got you. Okay, I'm not scared. <laughs> we are off and running on the opening drive. Coming up, I'm reading a lot of season ticket holders that say they're very frustrated with the way the Cardinals are approaching their lack of success here. And if you are, 
a ticket holder, partial, full season ticket holder. How do you feel like you've been treated over the last couple of weeks by the organization? We'd like to hear from you as a fan here on 101 ESPN. The text line is open 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. You can always use the 101 ESPN app to leave us a mic drop. But as a customer, how do you feel you've been treated by the baseball side of the organization over the course of the last couple of weeks? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We'd all love to find a button to push. Uh, if we if we thought there was one, we would have pushed it a long time ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. I, I don't know how to express uh, any more frustration than our fans feel and everyone feels. I mean, this is an organization that, that we don't go through this. This is not who we are. It's not. Michael Gersh, and there doesn't appear, based on the last several days, to be a great deal of urgency. And I know, uh, Brooke and Carrie, that a lot of fans feel like the Cardinals have an expectation that they're just going to be there come hell or high water. And we're at high water right now. There was a tremendous amount of anticipation for a move to be made yesterday, some sort of move. And it was radio silent with the Cardinals. And I don't blame ticket holders for being upset because they're paying a premium. The the season ticket holders are paying a premium for what they expect to be a really good product. And for the most part, I have defended the Cardinals for the last 15 years because they have delivered a good product. This product is abysmal and it needs at least a level of urgency. We get this text to the text line, 314-399-9646. Partial season ticket holder, I'm an electrician. When my company underperforms, our customers expect urgency. I'm a customer, and I'm not getting any urgency. That seems to be the prevailing thought process of the people that are holding tickets that I am reading and hearing from. Yeah, well, even this past homestand, how many times did you hear fans booing? And rightfully so, especially mm-hmm. they waited towards the end of the game when they knew that the result or the game was getting blown out when Hennessy's Carrera gave up those back-to-back homers. You could hear the boos coming in, and that is deserved because they won one game in that homestand. Yep. They've lost five straight, and they... Five straight and 10 of 12 to fall 27 and 42. That's just not acceptable. And that was Michael Gersh right before that game the other day. And if that was them addressing the fans and that was it, I can understand why fans are frustrated right now. Very frustrated. I mean, it, it's it's not a good product on the field. And you would hope <clears throat> that – I was listening to the Fast Lane yesterday and, and they were talking about what um, – you know, Baruby and those guys did, Armstrong did, when they were struggling. How Armstrong came out and said, hey, this mm-hmm. is our coach. We're going to stay this route. We Guys got to play better. You want that that conversation. You want an expl- explanation from your leadership. And right now we're not getting that. We're just kind of – we're in the same boat that the Cardinals in, just muddling around trying to figure out where we're going and, and what's going on. And it's – if you are a, 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 a fan that is paying your hard-earned money – to go to a game. I, one of my friends tweeted something the other day. Cost them $200 to take a ticket, a, a family of five to the game, plus drinks, plus food and all of those things. And then you get to watch that. Mm-hmm. It's not an experience that you want to continue to watch. So they have to figure something out on the field. Start there. Um, and I think that, that that will allow the fans to have more excitement, more enjoyment being a part of it. And by the way, 
the game on Wednesday, the final game of the homestand, if you go three and three in that homestand, that's a fun game and it's more palatable. Yeah. But to end of one and five homestand is a little different. It is. It's very frustrating too. And as to your point, CD, I will applaud. It was not a great season, obviously, for the Blues. And what a tough time it is this season for if you're a Blues fan and a Cardinals fan. Imagine being a, a season ticket holder for both. I would love to see somebody text in about that. I applaud Doug Armstrong, though, for at least making himself available yeah. during multiple times. And it wasn't just to one media person. It wasn't just to one outlet. He made himself available with a full press conference to try to answer things throughout the season, even if he fully didn't have the answers. And this is interesting because we get a text that says, at the very least, Mo needs to do a press conference like Army did. And Mo is Mo. Army came out to the press conference and said, hey, it's all of our fault, but it's mostly my fault. Yeah. And yes. he took accountability. Yeah. Accountability, and, yes. And, and that's one of the things that I don't think, in my opinion, we see from Mo or Ali Marmol. I think there needs to be more of that. It, and sometimes I hate it, like when Ryan O'Reilly would say, it's on me every yeah. single night. Yeah. yeah. But if you're the general manager and you haven't talked to the media, come out and tell your fans, look. I put this team together, I hired this manager, this is on me, and I'm the one that has to fix it. At least take a little bit of blame. Here's another text that I agree with 100%, and this is why I thought yesterday something might happen. No urgency. This Cardinal management still really thinks they can win this week, Central Division. Owners included. Well, they probably can, but the the problem is, I think when you are 15 games under 500 and you have a 1-5 in homestand, and I believe have the worst home record in baseball, Mm -hmm. if if not the National League, maybe in all of baseball. I think the A's might be, and the Royals are, are worse at home. But you need to show your fans that there is a sense of urgency if by no other means than having the the pobo come out and take questions and try to find out what the problem is. You just have Mike Gersh saying, well, we don't know, right? Can we play the Gersh cut again? Basically, your general manager of the team said, yeah, well, if there was a magic button, we'd push it, but we don't know what it is. Here's what the general manager said. We would all love to find a button to push. Uh, if we if we thought there was one, we would have pushed it a long time ago. Um yeah, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. I, I don't know how to express uh, any more frustration than our fans feel and everyone feels. I mean, this is an organization that, that we don't go through this. This is not who we are. It's not how we play. It's not how we, how we uh, you know, our win-loss record is not how, what we expected. It's not what it's been in the past, you know, decades. It, it, not, nothing like this. Alarming that you can be 15 games under 500 and have no idea what the problem is. Well, I think you don't know what the problem is is because – There are multiple problems. I said yesterday, if there was one person that was consistently not doing their job, that person would be out of the lineup. But when you have each day a different position, a different person blowing up and exploding, imploding in that moment, it's hard to put your finger on it. I I explained to you all, we were playing the the Arizona Cardinals Mm -hmm. in Arizona, and we lost the game in 07 that Arizona was terrible. We should have beat them, but every drive, one person took a turn messing up. One time it was the guard not blocking the three technique. Next time Ben was supposed to toss it, he tried to hand it off, and now we got a ball on the ground, and we would have scored on that play. You got an offensive tackle blocking down instead of kicking out and blocking the D end, and you get sacked on third down. Every It's hard to 
figure out how to correct it. But that's when one it's, day. That, but football is like that. Yeah, but they, the Cardinals had 42 they, days. They have, they have, <laughs> exactly. They, they have more games and they have more opportunities to do that. And it's it's just a different person or a different position each time. And you're getting it from people that you don't expect it from. You don't expect Goldsmith to have an error. You don't expect Arnado to, to throw the ball in the dirt or, or, or Paul DeYoung to not feel the ball in, 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 in the hole at shortstop. Those things are happening consistently and it's hard to figure it out. Yeah, it is. And it's frustrating when the people who put this roster together don't exactly have an answer, too. Because once again, it, you look at the offseason moves. Were they not aggressive enough? Were they not competitive enough, competitive enough to get all the pieces they needed to really put this piece a group together? Because it doesn't look like it. Also, when I hear Gersh talking, it sounds like a politician, right? You're using buzzwords where it sounds like, okay, yeah, I, I know what people want to hear. And I find the button pushing interesting because Mosellock has also kind of hinted towards that as well, where they've tried to maybe bring some guys up, bring in some fresh blood, and that hasn't happened as well well too they are looking for a spark a spark in some of these young players and i don't know if that's where it's at it should be in your veterans yeah right well and that's the veterans are not going to take shots at the manager but what Noel arnado and adam wainwright and paul goldschmidt told us the other day is okay hold us to a higher standard hold us accountable because it's not the manager we've got good players in here. So if the players aren't playing well enough, then I'm going to go to the guys who say, okay, it's on us. And yeah, then I'm going to blame you because the team's not losing or team's not winning. And you're saying it's not on the manager. It's not on the coaches. Coaches are doing a great job. What's that leave? That that leaves you, buddy. Yeah. So Uh, they, they have set themselves up to be targets here at Bush Stadium, not Literal targets. But. Uh, well, I mean, no, not literal targets. <laughs> the, 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 I think it's just been a mismanagement of a lot of things. We talked about Wilson Contreras. We talked about Jordan Walker. You t- All of those things, things like that can, can kind of fracture your, your team, and especially if you don't have a team that is accustomed to winning. They haven't been winning all season. They had a stretch there where they won a few games, but this, this season feels a lot like the St. Louis Blues season. Like it's, it's They're just hanging around win a couple of games, make you feel good, and then they start losing again. So at some point, the players on this roster, which I think is one of the better rosters in the majors, they have to start doing their job consistently in order to win games. And again, it's it's not one person. It's everybody taking turns that day, e- each day. And one more text here. So yesterday you guys were critical of Arenado for suggesting what may be part of the issue. Today you're critical because no one has suggested any reasons for the play. Which is it? I was referring specifically to Michael Gersh saying that they don't have an answer that if there was a magic button that they would push it. I think there is a difference between management, who can actually make moves, and yes. players who can't make moves and are voicing their thoughts. Well, and even think about Nolan Arnato in the position he's in. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that meeting that he had with the front office when he decided not to opt out. And I'm sure he thought that this group was going to be way more competitive. We don't know if he was promised anything or not, but I feel like you can feel and see the frustration from Nolan Arnato this season. And yes, he even admitted a lot of that is him looking at himself because he knows that he needs to perform like a superstar. And honestly, he has not. I think we can all agree with that this season. But also you wonder, too, if there's frustration that he felt like they probably should have done more. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, getting back to fans, apparently season many season ticket holders this week weren't going to use their tickets and couldn't give them away. Hmm. And 
not having butts and seats has to be the biggest alarm bell, the biggest red flag, I would think, for Bill DeWitt Jr. If he's sitting in Cincinnati watching on his 85-inch big screen and sees that the crowd is not what the numbers say, because the numbers say 35000 40000 right. It's a lot of $12.50 beers that aren't being sold when people aren't <laughs> going to the game. So... Uh, if I'm Bill DeWitt Jr., I am alarmed, A, by the record, and B, by the fact that apathy does seem to be setting in in St. Louis, which you'd never think would happen. Here's a here's an interesting text from the 314. The Cardinals have too many players in their arbitration years. When you're bringing up their numbers during an arbitration hearing, more you, you can't expect that player to play for the team. You can't expect that the players to play the team baseball versus playing for their numbers. Yeah, Meaning, nobody does. If you're in a, in a contract year, arbitration year, you're going to do what's best for yourself as opposed to what's best for the team in that moment. And that, I don't think they're playing selfish baseball. I haven't seen instances where, you know, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I think it's there 2023 are some baseball, right, Gary? It's 2020. It's, it's the, the baseball that everyone plays. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's selfish. I don't see guys, you know, moving the runner over from second to third and hitting the ball to the right side of the field. That, that just doesn't happen anymore. So. I don't know if it's so much that, that it's the, the contract or, or it's just how baseball is right now. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the U.S. Open is underway, and we're going to talk to our buddy Jay Delsing about L.A. Country Club and the leaderboard, which is stellar, next on 101 ESPN. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Jay Delsing, Golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. Jay joins us every Friday. Getting ready for the golf weekend. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good. You guys got your golf on? Oh, yeah. We're ready. I, I tell you what, I was telling uh, Brooke and Carrie, I, I love this leaderboard. I, I love the guys at the top. I think that it really has a chance to be a fantastic weekend. What, what do you think of the group that's at the top right now? Oh my gosh! I, you know, I don't recall ever seeing. I'm trying to think of a major championship that was so full of birdies. You know, I, it was it, it was. Um, I, I you know you you turn on a, a major championship, especially a U.S. Open, and you expect to see some blood. And um, yesterday was just uh, six two sixty twos on a day and a week where Johnny Miller, who who used to have the low round in a major championship at 63 was honored for with the Bobby Jones award and to have Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley go out in the morning and shoot 62 was pretty amazing. 
Hey, Jay, we were uh, playing golf at Top Golf the other day for uh, Wainwright's Big League Impact charity event, and I noticed that there were a lot of left-handed swinging baseball players swinging golf clubs right-handed. It, it freaked me out. I was uncomfortable <laughs> with it. I didn't understand it. My brain couldn't process it. Is that something that you've seen before from, from lefties that actually play golf right-handed? Is it because there aren't enough clubs, left-handed clubs growing up, or they just don't want to mess up their, their swing? You know what, Kerry? I think baseball players in general, are, and, and I hope I get a few texts after this, to just be con- are going to be confused because my dad, who was a right-handed thrower and and wrote right-handed, he hit base- baseballs left-handed. He played golf swinging left-handed but putted right-handed. So I've grown up with that kind of madness. I don't know any different. I used to, you know, guys, we drive the cart when I play with my dad and, and I would just irritate him because I'd, I'd, I'd park the cart really close to the ball so he couldn't get in there left-handed to hit it. I go, yeah, just hit it right-handed. I know you can. Oh, man. That's funny. Jay, you were talking about Ricky Fowler and he is at the top of the leaderboard right now. Early on in his career, especially when he first turned pro in 2009, he was kind of branded as one of sports' next young stars. And he's come close to winning majors, and he's yet to add one to his resume. Do you think he's going to get closer to that? Boy, I'm a huge fan. And, you know, Ricky's won the Players' Championship, which is not a small event, but it is probably one rung underneath the major uh, the majors level, but I got to tell you guys, there's a name on that leaderboard that scares me and would scare both of those guys, and it's Dustin Johnson. He um, he just has the perfect demeanor to go out and play a U.S. Open course, and with the fairways averaging 43 yards wide, this is a guy that can completely dismantle a golf course with his driver. So, as as much as I'm pulling for Ricky and and Xander because I'm a huge Xander Shoffley fan. Um, Dustin Johnson is is the guy I'd, I'd really be watching. Hey, Jay, there's a great piece at The Athletic by Brody Miller. Let me read you the first paragraph here about L.A. Country Club. It starts, there was nothing but oil fields and dirt roads around it, just a golf course seemingly built in plain sight, but destined to be hidden. Soon the buildings went up and the people came in and it was surrounded. Los Angeles became a metropolis. Beverly Hills became the center of the stars. And in the middle of it all was a course nobody could enter. Few ever got to see it, entertainers included. Shielded from the public and certainly from minorities, Los Angeles Country Club sunk into the margin of golf as the greatest course the world didn't get to know. They turned away the USGA time after time for nearly 100 years. The closest it ever came to opening these doors was a vote to host the 1986 U.S. Open with factions pleading for this to be LACC's public moment. It was voted down five votes to four. How aware has the golf industry been of L.A. Country Club? Oh, I think totally unaware. I mean, they have flown under the radar. I, I got to tell you guys, uh, I, as uh, uh, when we were at the UCLA team, we got to go to LA North and play all the time. And I had no idea what we were getting to experience, but, but there were some things like one of the first signs you, you used to see when you drove into the gates were ladies parking lot. And it was a take a hard left. I know you love that, Brooke. Um, <laughs> there, there, there also women had to wear long skirts, all the way down to their ankles to play golf there, if, if they could play golf there. And it was just one of these places that nobody ever went to. When I was, um, um, I, I, I remember as a freshman going over there and I saw a, a consulate car, I think from Mexico, 
get shot at least a thousand times and two people killed right at Wilshire Boulevard. And, and I think it's Doheny right there. I, so it, 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 there's such mystique around L.A. North and L.A. Country Club. And then you had the Playboy Mansion in there and, and Hugh Hefner and, and all of his crazy. And, and, and only in L.A., just someplace like that, that it's massive. It's a massive collection of land. You guys only in LA does something like that sit there and go unnoticed. I mean, I think Aaron spelling, the guy that used to um, produce a bunch of the crazy TV shows had a house there that was, you know, twice as big as my high school. You know, and I'm like, what, what in the hell is that? And they're like, Oh yeah, that's Aaron spellings. You know, he did, he was a producer of some TV shows and things like that. And, and, and then no one ever got to play in there. Their guest fee is, is extremely um, limited. I'll tell you a fun story. Fred couples tried for years to get in there and kept getting turned down. And, and one time he came back and, and I was playing with him and I said, did you get in? And he said, nah, I didn't get in. And I said, what was it like? He goes, well, I had to go in for my personal interview and I was sitting in front of five men that were somewhere between 60 and 80 years old. And they asked me what I did for a living. <laughs> oh man! It's Fred wow. Couples. Wow! They had no idea. They had no idea who Fred Couples was, and he was a Masters champion. That's ridiculous! Wow, that is deflating. <laughs> Jay, we were talking about uh, PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan last week, and he fell ill a couple of days ago. Is he? Uh, is he? Is this his? His? I mean, when we saw him, I definitely thought that he didn't look well. Obviously, dealing with all of the the live and PGA discussions. Is this his? Uh, it, I thought it would be six months. You said three months. Is this going to be much sooner than, than both of us thought? Boy, guys, I don't know. I have reached out to a lot of players and, and a couple of other friends that are in the know, and no one knows the extent of this illness other than, man, it's stress and anxiety. When he answered that, or tried to not answer those questions on CNBC, our commissioner looked like he, he was A, going to start crying, and B, going to pass out. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a public figure that's used to speaking in front of, you know, millions on TV and thousands in person looks so bad, so disoriented and so out of it. And, you know, guys, this, this has been one of the wildest weeks ever in the history of the PGA tour. And it's the, the, everything I read and everything I find out that none of this is going to be settled soon. And J- Jay Monahan is probably under the cover somewhere. I, I hope it's not serious because I actually really do like him as a person. But, man, I, I am I am not a fan right now of the things he did. I don't like how he did it. I don't like how he's made us look. And I, there's a lot of answers that still got to come out of the PGA Tour camp for me. Jay Delsing, what do you have for a Father's Day edition of Golf with Jay Delsing on Sunday? We got the great Nick Ragone, who, you know, you guys, without Nick, and without Ascension, we wouldn't have the Ascension Charity Classic. And so uh, Danny Mack and I talked to him, and he talked about Tiger playing the Champions Tour. Guys, and I, I really am truly coming around to the thought that in less than three years, we're going to see Tiger Woods up in North County. And, I mean, that would be uh, – I mean, we got to start hiring security guards now. People. <laughs> right. It would be so much fun. And what – what a lift, guys! What would that do to the champ? Be it would be crazy. 
Oh, man, it'll be amazing. We're looking forward to that on Sunday morning. Jay, have a happy Father's Day this weekend. Thanks for the time, as always, and we'll talk to you next week. My pleasure, guys. Happy Father's Day to you, too. You, too, Kerry. Thank you. Thank you. That's Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-Yo-Ho! Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Your text for Take It or Leave It coming up. Brooke, Carey, Randy, guys. Jim Bowden has a piece at The Athletic with every team's primary needs for the trade deadline. And Jim Bowden says for the Cardinals starting pitching, thinking that they still have a chance in the wide open NL Central. Take it or leave it if the Cardinals could do what they did two years ago in getting Lester and Hap, or last year in getting Montgomery and Quintana, they would win the division. I think it, I think it might sadly be enough. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it, too. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I think this team has a lot more issues than just the starting pitching. It's easy to focus on the starting pitching, but, man, with with the defensive miscues and misplays that aren't errors, with the lack of range, just with the general vibe on the team, I don't see them. I'm going to take it just for the fact of that I think that starting pitching has been an issue and is something that once one thing is not working, then you're going to have your offense and guys overthinking, pressing. What have we seen from these guys this entire season. Guys pressing, overdoing things, I think that also kind of plays into some of the defensive miscues we're seeing as well. I would say hitting with runners in scoring position would uh, help. Yeah, that would help. Right now. More than (laughs) deal with the pitchers they got. If you hit with runners in scoring position, you'll be good. All right, so I don't know if you saw this. There is a bike race in Italy where 31 cyclists were disqualified for holding on to the back of vehicles as they were going up a hill climb. Take it or leave it. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'll take it. Yeah, you mean? Everybody's doing it. Why the hell would I pedal? Guys, there's a great race in Staunton, <laughs> Illinois true. during the summer. It's called the Tour de Donut, where it's 32 <laughs> miles through the hills of Staunton, Illinois, and you get three stops for a donut, and every glazed donut that you eat during the Tour of Tour de Donut, you get five minutes off your time. And every year, the person that wins has a negative time because they eat so many donuts. Really? Well, I actually did that when you're riding the uh, tour, tour de donut. I was uh, we were doing a feature for a TV show and yeah, I just grabbed onto the side of a pickup truck and had <laughs> oh it pull me up the hill. Oh my gosh, that's that cheating. I, that, I think you'd have been uh, disqualified if you were in Italy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't eat enough donuts either. Uh, I feel like you You get didn't sick. eat enough donuts? That's you shocking. did not eat all four. It's like 105 degrees. Oh no! This How many is, donuts you, is it? You can eat as many as you want. Oh, I thought it was, you said it's four stops. Yeah, I assumed yeah. there was just four donuts. No, one, no, one first stop. three stops, and like there are people that'll eat like oh. half a dozen donuts a stop. They'll just squish them all together. What type of sickness oh, no. is that? It's a beautiful thing. Actually. Oh, that sounds terrible. I, I feel like you'd get sick very easily doing that. It gives you a very sugar easy. rush and probably gets you. you know, gets also you makes you pukey. Yeah. All right, Three take donuts it. though. Oh, I'm sure. Take it or leave it, Jordan. Walker, we'll see him DHing some more. I'll take it. 
Do you want me to add some more reasoning to this too? Yeah. Why we'll see. Okay. One. I think that you give him some more time to work with Willie McGee prior to the game so he can get a little bit more comfortable out there. Two, you can move Brendan Donovan, which I know that we, we don't like infielders in the outfield, no! but but you move Brendan uh, Donovan back into the outfield and you can have Nolan Gorman playing second. Maybe just let Jordan Walker get a little bit more comfortable. He's hitting, so that's a positive. You keep that going. I was thinking more this is when Bro-Neal comes back and oh, you have Bro-Neal... Okay. Uh, Tommy Edmond and then Dylan Carlson and Wright. I think Tyler O'Neill days as an everyday outfielder are. But every day. But when he's playing, you have to play the gold glover in left field and put Walker as the DH. You'll have Newt, you'll have Tommy Edmond, and you'll have Dylan Carlson. And Tyler O'Neill will. But either way, Jordan winds up as I mean, if, you put him at, yeah. if you're putting Jordan, Jordan at, at DH. That if would you're be playing there. your best defense. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe they reach a point where and then you okay. got Gorman at second base. So is that still your best defense? It's something. <laughs> as long as he doesn't do that movie did a couple of games ago, we're fine. No. One, other, one other caveat here: if the Cardinals are realistic about where they are and build for 2024, then you get Jordan Walker as many reps in the outfield as you can possibly get him yeah. so that he's ready to go next year. The problem is that they didn't play him in the outfield last year. He's athletically gifted. He's going to be a good outfielder. You just have to give him time. There's people that say, oh, I can't play the outfield. He's played less than 100 games of outfield gonna, in his life. Yeah, it's going to take some time. He played 70 games at third last season, yeah. and then once they moved Harrison Bader, then they started moving to out to the outfield. But then they also had him DHing some, too. So that even took away from his time work and work in the outfield. Let's get to your texts. And Matthew, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals are a couple young players and an ace away from going on a magical 2019 Blues run. Yeah, I'll take where, are the couple of the, where are the couple of young players going to play? Shortstop. That's one young player. I, I like that idea. And then you can figure out some things. Catcher. Uh, we, we've been down that road, Randy. Catcher? The 1,000 oh, OPS minor league catcher? They got a catcher. Paid him $87.5 million. Wait, yeah. They, they could not do that there's again. A, that would be a, so bad. Didn't you hear the conversation Bill DeWitt had with them? He told him, I paid $87.5 million for a catcher. He should be catching. Here's the thing, though. If you want to win and your best player is Yvonne Herrera, don't you go with the best player? No. They're going to go with the contract. Money plays. Especially when it's that much money. And you already moved Steven Matz to the bullpen. That's a lot of money that's not playing if you do that. It is what it is. Ivan Herrera has a 969 OPS. <laughs> Just blow it up. So, that's Randy. So, you, you, so now Wilson Contreras is your DH. Or he's not playing at all yeah, in this scenario. Right. Correct. No? Not at all? Uh, well, it depends on who's uh, better. I don't think that's Wilson Contreras batting like 100. Okay, so he is. Every, everybody is making the major league average of $4.2 million. Every single one of your players is making $4.2 million. Are you playing Herrera or Contreras? Herrera. Uh, you're playing well, Goldie? I, I would want to see him here first. But. Yeah. You're playing Goldie at first. Yeah. Right? You're playing Wynn at shortstop. Okay. You're playing Arenado at third. He's your best third baseman. Okay. In the outfield. Where, who's the second? Uh, look, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, in, in the outfield, you've got... Uh, everybody's making 4.2. You've got Newt Barr. Okay. You've got Walker out there. Okay. And you've got Carlson. Okay. So I'm playing Tommy Edmond at second. And Gorman is your DH? Yep. Okay. And that means, love you, Wilson Contreras, but you aren't playing every day. Unfortunately, 
He's making eighty-seven point five. Yeah. Well, and you know what? The shortstop's making nine, and he's not playing either. Which and, one? Uh, DeYoung. Oh, he's been playing. Yeah, but he's not going to under my circumstances oh, okay. because I think wins better. Nine and eighty-seven is a little different. I know, but you. You gotta. Well, you don't, I mean, you don't. You don't to, yeah. I, I know. The, 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 that's why it's stupid that the contracts play. If you're trying to play your best players, Wilson Contreras is not one of them. I agree. I, he hasn't been since in June and and May. He hasn't mm. been stellar. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. Since that that incident of him no longer being the catcher, it's kind of just spiraled downhill. I think he'll get it figured out because he's done it his entire career. I don't think he's going to stay in that place where he can no longer hit baseballs. But I think, you know, it's just something he's dealing with right now. But I agree. If 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 there was no money involved, yeah, he's not playing well enough to continue to play. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals' trouble started with philosophical differences. I'll take that. Mm. Okay. Did or it start is it even there? further? Yeah, does it go gonna, even? Yeah. Does it go even further than that? Because we kind of dove into this a little bit in the way that the front office has continued to, which is great to promote from within, but managers without managerial experience. Yeah, that hurts. Does it go even well, further than that? If you want to go all the way back to Terry Francona really wanting the job when Tony retired, you can go back there on the heels of the World Series. Are you a better franchise over the course of the last decade? If Terry Francona is hired and allowed to manage, yes, you are. But but allowed to manage is the key yep. phrase in that sentence. Right. It, it, what difference does it make if you have a meeting at a certain time and you're told this is what the day is going to look like no matter what? That's so unrealistic. That's not even, it's not reality. No. That's not real life. There is nothing in life, let alone, you know, uh, sports that you could say this is the day this is how the day is going to go stick to the script don't remove don't move from this go line to line item to item and we'll be fine Joe Madden wrote in his book that's why he's not the manager of the Angels anymore because he wanted to manage and they didn't want him to we got time for one more Matthew take it or leave it if I'm spending 300 bucks right now and watching a game it's going to be on City oh yeah, okay cool yeah yeah I, I will say going to the games is a lot a lot of fun it's a lot of fun to go to a city game. It is. And it's, it, if you're just there for the competition, the Cardinals game presentation is great. And being at the ballpark is great. And the people uh, that treat you really well. The only problem with the games right now is the games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't say that. And especially if you're talking about engaging the younger fan base, too. You take your son out mm-hmm. to a game. He's how old? Ten. 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 Yep. And do you think that he wants to sit through and watch all that where you're trying to convince him like, we we used to be really good. Yeah. I promise you. I promise you. This is worth it. And he's like, what are we doing, Dad? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> tough to watch. Yeah. And by the way, 80 percent of Cardinal tickets are ten dollars or less. So spending two or three hundred dollars is kind of a uh, unless you're a season ticket holder again. And we talked about that in an earlier segment. It's different. But if you are buying tickets on an individual basis. of the tickets that the Cardinals sell to their games are $10 or less. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. And coming up here on 101 ESPN, Greg Amzinger had an exceptionally hot take yesterday about what the Cardinals should do to shake things up. We will determine if he's correct or not next on 101 ESPN. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. There's a way to be a seller and a buyer at the same time and, and really shake things up. Trade the MVP. Trade the guy that's not going to be part of the future for the next three, four years. It opens up a spot at first base where if you want Jordan Walker to find a spot that can play every day and be your next Albert Pools, all of a sudden Jordan Walker's got that spot. And you don't have to worry about the wear and tear on this six foot five frame. You're going to get a haul, a haul back. That's Greg Amzinger yesterday here on 101 ESPN. He, of course, the lead anchor for MLB Network, and he advocates the Cardinals trading the National League MVP, Paul Goldschmidt, who, by the way, is in his mid-30s, going to turn 36, I believe, later this year. I love Greg Amzinger, but I think that that is folly. I think that is just a ridiculous suggestion. There's no way that I would trade Paul Goldschmidt for young prospects. I would be inclined, if I were the Cardinals, to take a look at moving him for a couple of established pitchers. But the problem that you have there is that people aren't going to trade you young established pitchers because that's why they're good. And so it's just, I don't think a reasonable trade for Paul Goldschmidt could be made by the Cardinals. Trading established stars for prospects rarely works. No, it it doesn't. And I I get things are not going well at this moment, but I just still can't really fathom that that be. And Greg has kind of hinted towards that, right? He's hinted towards the fact that he thinks that the Cardinals, the move is not getting rid of the manager. The move is doing a painful trade. I didn't think when he said painful trade that he was talking (laughs) about Paul Goldschmidt because that's about (laughs) as painful as it gets. Yeah, and just look at... Some of the big trades that have been made. I mean, you, you look at where, and maybe the Oakland Athletics will benefit from trading Matt Chapman and Matt, Matt Olson. But right now, it sure doesn't look like that's going to work out in their favor. When you look at uh, some of the other big names, the the Mookie Betts trade by Boston to the Dodgers. Alex Verdugo, Verdugo is a nice player, but what they got back in return for Mookie Betts doesn't stack up to what Betts is. It just historically, recently, hasn't worked for the teams that get the prospects. It's, and even if the prospects turn out to be pretty good players, there's no way that you're going to get three players. I won't say no way. It's 
unlikely that you're going to get three young players that will provide you the impact that Paul Goldschmidt could over the next couple of years when hopefully you're still trying to win. That was going to be my my question. How many more years does Paul Goldschmidt have at this level? He shocked me last year. He, He Winning the... The MVP at 34 yeah. surprised me. He's in great shape. His bat isn't slowing down. He's still really good now. He's got a near 900 OPS this year. I think you've got a couple of more good years out of Goldie. So you don't think that trading now would be – you don't think you would get anything sufficient enough to come back? Like a Shane Bieber. You, you don't think Shane Bieber – I mean, I know it wouldn't be one for one, but but maybe something else added on both sides? I – I think Bieber has fallen off to the point where I don't think that you would get equal value. And by the way, I don't think that Goldie would go to Cleveland. No. And here's another factor. I just pulled up Paul Goldschmidt's contract details, too. This is a very critical factor. Uh, He has a no trade clause. Right. And so that will that will be there. I can't fathom that even though and we heard Adam Wayne right on Wednesday say that him and Paul Goldschmidt were texting until 1 a.m. in the morning about they couldn't believe that this is happening on their watch on their time. That to me sounds like someone who wants to be here, figure it out, is frustrated. And Paul Goldschmidt is pretty consistent, too. I, I was I think it was very good to hear from him, too, that. He was actually kind of leading some of these conversations, some of these pep talks, too. I think you need that veteran voice in this clubhouse right now. And I know I'll get a text in where somebody says, well, obviously it's not working, Brooke. Like, what are you talking about? He's trying. And you can tell that Nolan Arnauto is frustrated and trying it as well. You need those two guys. One other quick point from me on this is that Bill DeWitt Jr., on multiple times on this station, on this show, has talked about how much he enjoys having stars on the roster. Bill DeWitt is not like Bob Castellini in Cincinnati or Bob Nutting in Pittsburgh or even the Cubs, who don't have a star right now that rises to the level of an Arenado or a Goldschmidt. The Cardinals are very proud of the fact that they've had at least one Hall of Famer in uniform every year since 1909, Mm -hmm. and they want to maintain that. And... All you need to do is look at the track record of Bill DeWitt. Have the Cardinals ever sold? They've never, under Bill DeWitt, they have never sold. The closest they came was trading Royce Clayton and Todd Stottlemyre for Fernando Tatis and Darren Oliver back in 1998. But they have never been a team that has sold to try to bring in prospects. And I would be stunned if they would try to do that now. I would be actually a whole lot less surprised if the Cardinals would bring in a big name, if they would buy a big name. I'd be less surprised if they did that than if they sold their big names. I would be surprised just for a fact of what you just mentioned there. They do not like moving their prospects, especially their prospects, their top prospects. That's been the hangout for a lot of things. When people talk about Sean Murphy, what was the issue with that this offseason? And what did they mention during Wilson Contreras' introductory press conference about a reason why they also liked him? Yeah, with, with Gorman, but that's because there was an alternative. But when they needed to trade five young players for Nolan Arenado, they did. When they needed to trade three young players for Paul Goldschmidt, they did. When they needed to trade four young players, didn't work out great, but they needed to trade four young players for Marcelo Zuna, they did. They they don't mind trading their prospects. Now, they wanted to replenish their system, and I think their system has been replenished to the point where they have the depth to be able to make a move. If they, if they want to make a move for pitching, they can do it. Yeah, I, I just don't think that that move is going to... I, I truly believe that they still feel like they're in this in this playoff hunt because you win your division... 
you're in the tournament. And and uh, that's all we say. Get in the tournament, anything can happen. So, you know, I think right now they believe that there's still an opportunity. So being sellers at any point, I don't think that that's on their mind. Now, in a month from today, if they are still double digits, if they become double digits back in the division, maybe you're looking at, okay, Jack Flaherty isn't going to return here. Jordan Montgomery isn't going to return here. What can we get in return for those guys? Similar to what they did with what the Blues did with Tarasenko and O'Reilly. We know that those guys are going to be free agents next year. Possibly they're, they aren't going to resign or we aren't going to be able to afford them. We're going to have to go in a different direction. And the Cardinals, as a front office, need to be rational, right? Because it used to be if you had Dave Duncan or Mike Maddox, you'd bring in a veteran pitcher and say, our pitching coach can fix him. Mm-hmm. You have to be smart if you're the Cardinals. How much confidence do you have in Dusty Blake being able to fix a veteran pitcher? I don't know. I'm guessing that they don't know. They might think they know, as Jim Moore would say, but they don't know right. how good he is at resurrecting a pitcher who's fallen off. So if you go out and try to get a Bieber whose strikeouts per nine has fallen dramatically is Dusty Blake the guy to fix him? That, I mean, that would be the question. You're trying to figure that out. You're trying to figure out if you have the guys here that can get that job done. And hopefully, you know, I hope we don't get to that point. I hope that these bats wake up, the fielding wakes up, and they all collectively, because they all know it's on them. I mean, we, we've heard the stars of the team mm-hmm. say, it's not on anyone else but us, and we just have to be better. We've seen Stan, and not all of us, because I, I was – one when Stan Musial ended his career, but he had fallen off dramatically. We saw Lou Brock drop off. He actually hit 300 in his last year. We've seen Ozzy drop off at the end of his mm-hmm. career. He had a good last year, though. Is it important for you guys to see Paul Goldschmidt end his career in a Cardinal uniform? Um, I I mean I would I think it would be nice if he did. I think he he's he's an MVP. I think he's still performing at a high level. Only if this team is going to win championships. If the roster is constructed where they can win championships with him, then yes. If not, it's business. And so in business, you do what's best for the product, best for the team, and you go in a different direction if you need to. Yeah. I. The thing is, is I remember when he came over, too, that people kept talking about how he is like, if you could build a Cardinal in a factory, that would be Paul Goldschmidt, right? The way that he goes about his business, he is like the ideal image of what they want with a Cardinal player. I can't see them moving on from him, but I'm just interested. Rocchio was shaking his head over there. Rocchio, are you fine with parting with him? Yeah. yeah oh, my gosh. Of course he is. Yeah. I, just, I mean, it's... Yeah. He's a great player, but I just I, I I think the biggest obstacle to trading Goldschmidt honestly is the no trade clause because I think Greg's right that you get a haul, but when you talk about teams like the Guardians and the Twins, I just don't know if those are going to be enticing enough to Paul Goldschmidt to actually get him to make the move. But I do think you know move for the future. You know that's I think it's clearly what the Cardinals want to do. It, They're it's about the pitching staff. It's about making sure you win a championship, and if your roster is constructed. With Paul Goldschmidt, and you can win a championship with him on the roster, then yeah, you keep him. If not, then you. And I don't. And here's the thing: I don't think Paul Goldschmidt is getting traded at all. Do you think he's your best player right now? Do I right now? Yes. I don't see how in sports you get better by trading your best guy. No. No. I I mean, because he's consistently consistent. Right. Like he he's very consistent in what he does. And sometimes you wish that you would kind of see a little bit more emotion mm-hmm. and aggressiveness from him in some ways. That's but it's not his personality. That's just, yeah, it's not yeah. who he is, but yeah. he's consistent. And even. Yeah, I would say that he this season, I would say yes. 
specifically. Yeah, I think he and has even been. seasons past. I, I, I don't think you. I agree with you, Randy. I don't think trading your best player makes your team better unless. Unless you talked about it, you moved Jordan Walker to first base, and now you got some pitching help and some help in the and maybe in the outfield, maybe in the bullpen. Maybe if you can get three or four people back that are going to be impact players, then you're looking at your roster being potentially better. So we do have some people agreeing with Rocchio on this on the three one four. Somebody said you care more about one player than the future of your franchise. Well, I care about one player more than. Question marks. I, uh, do you want to know the names of the people that uh, Oakland got for Matt Olson? <laughs> okay. Yes, I would love uh, to hear they that. They do have Shane Langoliers, by the way. Uh, the other players that they that Matt Olson, who is an MVP candidate this year, uh, traded by Oakland to Atlanta for Ryan Cusick, Joey Estes, Shay Langoliers, and Christian Pache. Anytime. Those might be household names. Can we name? A recent MVP that has been <laughs> traded, where the deal where he got traded worked out for the team that traded him. One. If if you give me one, I'll assume there's a hundred. <laughs> In any sport, or are we just talking baseball? Any sport. I, I might have to think about that. Yeah. MVPs traded. Yeah. It's uh, MVPs don't generally get traded. Right? That's exactly right. <laughs> how, did uh, how did the Seattle Mariners do when they traded Ken Griffey? Even though Ken Griffey wasn't very good with the Reds, how did the Seattle Mariners do? Just not that great. Yeah. Even if we talk well, okay, about... How, well, no, they didn't do well either. They haven't been good either. Yeah. I was going to say Barry Bonds. He did well. Uh, as, as a free agent. <laughs> He's a free um, agent. Okay. Uh, let's just look for trades. And I'm not many have been moved. A lot have gone into hey, free you agency. You don't see moved. many, many uh, MVPs yep. traded. Yeah. Um, a future MVP, Christian Yelich. Florida got nothing for him, mm-hmm. Miami. Uh, Mookie Betts gets traded. Uh, clearly worked out better for the Dodgers. Giancarlo Stanton gets traded from Miami to the Yankees. Even though he hasn't played much, who did the Yankees get or uh, give up for Giancarlo Stanton? I, I can give you some names if you want them for Giancarlo Stanton. This is an MVP that got traded right after his MVP year. That would be the same thing the Cardinals are trying to do. Uh, Starlin Castro, Jose Devers, Jorge Guzman stars for the Yankees right now. Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> Chris Bryant. Uh, who did Chris Bryant get traded for when the Cubs traded him to the Giants a few years ago? That deal was Bryant from the Cubs to San Francisco for Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian. Uh, not seeing much from those guys in the top 10 in stats this year. Josh Donaldson gets traded from Toronto. Let's see who Josh Donaldson got traded for. They, they actually turned down a Josh Donaldson trade Toronto did for Jack Flaherty, of all people. That deal was uh, Josh Donaldson traded by the Blue Jays with cash to Cleveland for Julian Merriweather. Julian Merriweather is who MVP Josh Donaldson got traded for. Baseball is rife with the history of MVPs getting traded for guys like that, like Julian Merriweather. It just doesn't work. All right, coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got our bird watch. Stick around. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. We have a fight coming up at the bottom of the hour, but right now it is time for bird droppings. 
Oh, it's going to be bird watch because they didn't lose yesterday. They didn't lose yesterday. Okay, that's good. I would have gotten called Eeyore if I had the splat sound effect ready. Okay, all right. Well, maybe maybe it's splats when they continue to lose and bird watching when when they win. So something that I'm watching, I think all of us kind of forgot about this just a little bit, except for Rockio. I know Rockio thinks about it a lot. Don't you guys miss Zach Thompson in this bullpen? I do. Don't you miss him? I don't know if everybody remembers, but there was a move because there was a lot of moves that were made right early on in the season. One of the moves, though, is that you did have Zach Thompson in your bullpen and he was great coming out of the pen. But then they decided to send him back down to the minors to make him a starter again. And Randy, that hasn't gone well. It has not gone well at all. over eight. Yeah, he has not. First of all, I think he was kind of upset when he went down there. Yes. Because he'd been told he was going to be a lefty reliever at the major league level. They take away a year of service time to try to stretch him out to be a starter. And if you're not invested, if you're not in it, then you're going to probably struggle. He probably needs to get his mental focus back and prepare to be a starter. But... I put a lot of this on the Cardinals because they, he was going to be their guy as a lefty out of the bullpen. And he was, and he was good in April with a combined 2.72 ERA. But as I mentioned, down in the minors, it hasn't gone well, allowing 24 hits with that ERA that's over eight as well, walking 28 and a little over 21 innings. It's it's just not working out for him as a starter. You wonder if that frustration is playing into that too, because I'm sure it is, because he was a starter, and then you wanted him to be a reliever, and then you wanted him to be a starter again. But you kind of wish that you had him as a reliever again, right? The Cardinals have had some instances where they've kind of misutilized players. I would suggest that the use of Jordan Walker and not playing him in the outfield earlier was a disservice to him and the ball club because they knew he wasn't going to play third base, yet they continued to play him at third base and prevented him from getting reps in the outfield. So, yeah, I would say that uh, right along those lines is Zach Thompson. He... They should have made a determination, the Cardinals should have, that he was either going to be a starter or a reliever and figured it out sooner rather than when they did. It, it Oh, I was going to say it definitely <laughs> would have been beneficial. I mean, that there have been a lot of, I guess, situations kind of on that line where people are unsure or uncertain. That was one of yeah. the, my my biggest things earlier in the season was where what are guys' roles? What are they doing day to day? That makes your job easier when you know what you're doing. You talked about Jordan Walker being told one thing, getting sent down. Um, uh, Wilson Contreras being told one thing, getting removed from there. Zach Thompson, same thing, get, being told Tommy one Edmund. thing. Tommy Edmund. It, it's uh, it, there's a litany, a list of people that that has happened to, and when you don't know what you're doing or where you're going to be aligned or what you're going to be doing that day, it makes it difficult to have a, a successful team. So my my bird watch is going to be we we've talked so much about Ali Marmol and there was some some questions maybe he wouldn't even be able to make the trip to New York because he was some people thought he wasn't going to be here right? there have been talks about that they they were some people hoping that that wasn't going to take place but the thing that I've always said and and has has been important to me is what the players say and how they feel I, I have been putting this on the players because the players know as a former player I know that our coaches work our butts off, work their butts off and it is on us inside those white lines to do our job to the best of our ability so I wanted to give you a couple of quotes one first from Nolan Arenado I think our coaches are doing a great job I really do I know the first thing that happens when you uh, happens usually when you are playing bad is the coaches are the one under scrutiny and getting the blame. Our coaches are well prepared. They're consistently making sure we're working. And if we're not, they're saying, hey, do you want to go out and do this work? Do you want to get out there? Let's go get it done. 
Goldschmidt, I love those guys. Unfortunately, when you're losing as a player, you feel like you're letting the coaching staff down. You feel like you're letting your teammates down, the front office, and, of course, the fans. But the coaches are working so hard to address any ways that we can get better to put us in a position to succeed. Those are your two best players on the team. Those are your top three MVP vote-getters in the in the National League. Those are the two players that you look at the Cardinals roster and you say, those two guys, your corner infielders. They're saying that the coaches are doing their job. So if they are the best players on the team, mm-hmm. if they are in that clubhouse every day, if they are the ones getting the work and doing the work, how in the hell can we outside say that the coaches and the managers aren't doing a good enough job? That I would ask both Goldschmidt and Arenado, the follow-up would be them, why aren't you playing well? They just aren't. It happens, Randy. I, I went through a, I, t- I then, would, then Then but you something can't, has to happen. You right? can't. You can't. You can't. You, you can, but you won't. You won't trade Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt because they have, you know, a certain, a certain number of errors yeah. between them. Because the history, the 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 track record tells you that they are going to eventually get it together. Same thing with Wilson Contreras. As much as he's the new guy and we don't know him, and his track record has shown you throughout his entire career that he is going to hit. He's just not hitting now. And and the unfortunate part about it is it's happening for everyone at the same time at different instances. That's the only reason why this team is terrible. These guys have their money. What's the one thing you can do to get their attention then? If you're a manager that has confidence and the fortitude from the front office to be able to do what you need to do, how can you get their attention? You're not going to bench them. you got to bench them. You can't. You, 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 I mean, that's not going to happen. Then what's going to happen? How are you going to get better? So, so How here's do you get the thing. better? Here's, here's, here, I told you all, I've told you all this before. Bruce Arians used to yell at Nate Washington to yell at who? Hines Ward and Santonio mm-hmm. Holmes. He wouldn't yell at them, but he would get at Nate to let them know, hey, I'm really talking to you all. Maybe that's what the Tyler O'Neill conversation was at the beginning of the year. Maybe that, you, you, you. You don't generally go at the star players. Some people mm-hmm. do, but nah, it doesn't doesn't always bode well for you. These guys are telling you that we are playing poorly. Our coaches, the manager, has done a fantastic job of preparing us, making sure we're doing the work. We're just not playing, and it's on the players to do their job better. And I don't think if if you're if you aren't good with Nolan Arenado playing every day, you're not going to be good with him not. Yeah, well, it, and that's why we were kind of frustrated. There needs to be some sort of message sent, right? Something, some shakeup needs to happen. And sadly, sometimes in that case, it is maybe the manager or the coach you like getting fired, not saying it's right, but saying, okay, well, you liked him so much. You guys aren't playing well. He's gone now. You know, you got sometimes you have to shake things up and the fact they're not doing anything. But we even asked this past Friday, Ali Ramal, remember I asked him about if it's simple to say that if Nolan Arenado goes, the rest of this team goes as well. And he dismissed that. He said it takes more than Nolan Arenado. It shouldn't just be on Nolan Arenado. The rest of these guys are not performing well. I agree. They aren't. And if you aren't performing well, the thing is, people do get fired. So, And the manager or coach is usually the first one to go, even though that Goldsmith and Arenado are saying it's not their fault. That's just the nature of the business. All I'm saying is if everyone in that clubhouse is saying we are the ones not performing well, the coaches are doing their job, you have to look at the players and expect more from them. And by the way, the combined number of World Series rings between those two is zero. So, 100%. Guys, the Cardinals used to have a a pitcher named Joaquin Andujar, one of my all-time favorites. He was the favorite of the late, great Rick Hummel. And 
Joaquin's favorite phrase was, you never know. Well, this <laughs> next road trip, the Cardinals are going to play the team with the fifth worst record in the National League and the team with the second worst record in the National League. The team with the fifth worst record in the National League has a payroll way higher than anybody else's in the National League. The Mets have a payroll of $344,450,328. They have the fifth worst record in the league. Didn't expect them to have the fifth worst record in the league. The Washington Nationals have slashed, and they now have a payroll of $93 million. The Cardinals are in the middle of the pack. They have a payroll of about $160 million. All three teams suck. What this goes to show is that money has nothing to do with success in Major League Baseball. The team that has the best record by a wide margin in Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, have the 27th highest payroll. When you look at the best team in the National League, the Atlanta Braves, and they have spent a lot of money. They've upgraded dramatically. But the Atlanta Braves payroll this year is at $202 million. They're eighth, yet they have the best record in the National League, way behind the Mets and the Padres. And oh, by the way, the San Diego Padres have spent all that money during the offseason. They have the sixth worst record in the National League, yet they're paying their players this year a total of $246 million. Money and payroll has zero to do with wins and losses. That is my bird watch. Hmm. You got to be smart. Well, and the and you also mentioned they put an emphasis on scouting, right? On their scouting department as well. The Rays have. Yes. Yes. And they're doing things the right way. And you can spend a bunch. The Phillies are spending a bunch again this year and they're they're making a run. Uh, but there are really good teams. Baltimore has the second lowest payroll in baseball. But if you look at the American League standings, they're the Baltimore Orioles with the second best record. So it's about being smart and getting good players regardless of what the cost of that player is. And it's about guys doing their jobs, like being good baseball players, doing the things that help you win games. And the Cardinals aren't doing that right now. The payroll for, for other franchises is through the roof. They aren't performing particularly well either. I think a lot of it is the analytics-driven portion of it where guys are saying, oh, just hit the ball over the fence and, and you know, drive in runs and launch angle and exit below, and that's what we're going to worry about. Just play the game the right way, and you win more than you lose. That's your Birdwash here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we have the fight, and we need a fighter. Text in. 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Just text in the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you for the fight on 101 ESPN. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the 
undisputed king of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. It is time for the fight. And I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And our fighter today is Kevin. Kevin, how you doing? Hey, Kerry Davis. Good. Yourself, sir? Doing wonderful. And minus some of these texters who text me crazy things. <laughs> Football isn't baseball, Kerry. <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> As if they actually put a helmet on. I, okay, <laughs> Kevin, are you ready to take on Randy in the fight today? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Which current leaderboard top 10 golfer already holds the aggregate and to par U.S. Open tournament records? Is it Siwoo Kim, Rory McIlroy, or Xan- uh, Xander Shafley? Ooh. Shafley. Uh, let's go with Rory McIlroy. In which decade did the Cardinals sport three different players winning five National League MVPs? Is it the 1940s? I'm sorry, I got distracted because I was listening to you, see? 1940s, 1950s, or the 1970s? Let's do the 1940s. All right, 2011 isn't the only crazy cards run to the World Series. Which Cardinals World Series winning team overcame a six and a half game deficit with just 14 games left to play in the regular season? Was it the 64 team, 67, or 82? 67. What is the Major League Baseball record for the most pitcher wins in a season without starting a game? Is it 13, 18, or 20? Let's do 13. All right, we'll double-check our score, and then we will bring in Mr. Randy Carricker. Kevin, how you feeling? Terrible. Rocky, uh-huh. It's all good. No, don't worry about it. You, 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 you did, a, did a fantastic job. You, you worked with the questions that were given to you, and uh, just keep working. And I'm going to keep working this texter that talks about football and not knowing about baseball. <laughs> this damn texter talking, you don't know fake baseball, Kerry. Dog with a bone. It's not football. Hey, when's the last time you put on a helmet, pal? That's what I want to know. When last time you strapped them up and put it down, put your hand in the dirt, and got to it? Because we can, there's plenty of room in the parking lot. Carey. I still got two or three more plays left in me Carey, to you, show you that you football fun? is not just about aggression, but intelligence. This is about Randy's fight. I'm sorry. Hey, I, I, Randy, fight. it is yeah. your fight. I, 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 <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Every now and then, text line loses their minds. They just, okay. So, Randy, say hello to Kevin. Kevin, good morning. How you doing? Hey, Randy, doing well yourself? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right, Randy, which current top which current leaderboard top ten golfer already holds the aggregate and to par US Open tournament records? Dustin Johnson. In which decade did the Cardinals sport three different players winning five National League MVPs? Three different players winning five National League MVPs. Uh well, it certainly was not in my lifetime, I don't think. Um not the 90s or the 80s or the 70s or the 60s. Well, let's see. You had in the 60s, which was in my lifetime, actually, 
Uh, you had Gibson. You had Cepeda. Um, you didn't win five MVPs in the 60s. 50s, no. 40s, maybe. Stan the Man, I think one is three. I'll go with the 40s. I think, uh, let's see, in the 30s, Medwick. One in 37, I think. I'll go with the... the uh, trying to think of who else would have won. I, I, 20s, Hornsby, Bottomley. I'll I'll go with uh, I'll I'll go with the 40s. They won, so it, it's three people winning five MVPs, right? Yes. Yep. I'll go with the 40s. 2011 isn't the only crazy cards run to the World Series. Which Cardinals World Series winning team overcame a six and a half game deficit with just 14 games <clears throat> left to play in the regular season? That would be the 1964 edition, I believe. What is the Major League Baseball record for the most pitcher wins in a season without starting a game? Most pitcher wins in a season without starting a game. Let's see. Mike Marshall had that 106 appearance season in 1974, and he won a lot. He might have won like 13. Um, Boy. You'd think that this would have happened more recently than 1974 because the bullpen has been such a such a uh, prevalent part of it. Um, I guess I'll do the lifeline since I have it. Okay. 13, 18, or 20? I don't think anybody's ever run 20 games without starting a game. I'll, I'll go with 13. We have a tie in today's edition of the fight. So Randy Carriker's got to get some paper, and Kevin here will go through the rules. I'm going to ask a question, and whoever gets closest to the pin is going to be our winner. But first, what I need to do is when I ask the question, we're going to need to give Randy Carriker a moment to write down his answer before you say your answer. Do you understand those rules, Kevin? Yes, sir. Randy, do you have a piece of paper? Yeah, but you never ask me if I understand the rules. Do you, sorry, do <laughs> you understand the rules? Day. Yeah, I You're do. here every day. Okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> all right, I'm ready. What is the Blues' all-time franchise record in Stanley Cup final games? What is the Blues' all-time franchise record in Stanley Cup final games? All right, Randy Carricker, we have your answer. Kevin, what do you got? Can you repeat the question one more time? Yes, I can. What is the Blues' all-time franchise record in Stanley Cup final games? Uh, Ten? Ten and... Ten and what? Uh, Ten and fourteen. All right. We have a winner in today's fight. Does Kevin come in on a Friday, take it to the tiebreaker, and then go into the weekend with a winner? Or does Randy Carricker right off into the sunset, as Megamind usually does, <laughs> ring that bell? The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else?
win. Just win, baby. So they have played in four finals, which would uh, result to a potential total of 28 games. But unfortunately, they've only played in 19. They went 4-15. and 15. Randy Carricker, your answer was? 4-15. Uh, and 15. It was 4-15. Yeah, and 15. Yeah. He hit it right on the jack. So I'm sorry about that one, Kevin. But you took Randy Carricker to the tiebreaker with a 2-2 tie. But he got you right with the jack in the tiebreaker. Appreciate it, guys. No problem, Kevin. Hey, let's for go playing. through all of those answers. Which current leaderboard top 10 golfer already holds the aggregate and to par U.S. Open tournament records? Roy McIlroy is tied with Dustin Johnson for the two-par under-16 record, but D- Roy McIlroy owns the aggregate tournament record solo. That is, so he is the answer for number one. Which decade did the Cardinals sport three different players winning five NL MVPs? Moore Cooper and Marty Marion won theirs in the early 40s. They actually were sandwiched around Stan Musial's first. He then added two more for the answer there in the 1940s. It was, in fact, the 1964 Cardinals who had six and a half ga- or 14 games to play in a six and a half game deficit. And Randy, do you know what they called the the event that happened to the other team that they were that they were uh, trailing behind? It was uh, Philadelphia, right? It, yes, was it was the Phillies. What was it? Is the Philly fold? Oh, because yeah. the Phillies just completely crumbled, and again, the Cardinals closed a six and a half game deficit in fourteen games. What was it? Four and a half games in sixteen games for twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. Completely insane. Yeah, and, and by the way, the Phillies fired their manager after that. Doesn't surprise me. What is the MLB record for the most pitcher wins in a season without starting a game? The the man that you mentioned actually in there, Mike Marshall, in that hundred appearance, he won fifteen. The mm-hmm. record though for the nineteen fifty nine Pirates, Roy Face went eighteen and one. Wow. The record for for MLB pitchers, and he didn't start a single game. 18-1, the in answer. The face. In, in the answer there, and then, of course, the Blues, 4-15, and all-time franchise record in Stanley Cup final games. Randy wins this one with a 2-2 tie and a win in the tiebreaker. Again, once again, Kevin, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. You yeah, too, Kevin. Kevin. Thank you very much. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, St. Louis EDSC taking on Nichefield this weekend. MLS season pass analyst Jaime Macias is next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. And a word. Chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus. He collects it over down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis with Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, St. Louis City SC, taking on Nashville tomorrow at 7.30. And that game will be seen on Apple TV, of course. Jaime Macias is an analyst for MLS Season Pass and joins us now on 101 ESPN. Jaime, good morning. Great to have you with us. Thanks for your time. How are you doing? How are you doing, guys? I was having a lot of fun with the two that you were doing, so uh, happy being with you. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> well, let, let's start with this. Uh, City SC dealing with a lot of injuries. How do you think they'll react to those injuries? Uh, they have been managing their injuries during the season. I, I think that's very impressive how they have overcome most most of the injuries, especially the Joao Klaus one. Uh, when you have a player that it's uh, that important on the lineup and you're able to, to replace him and, and uh, Joaquini, starting to get some rhythm, even uh, 
tying on Joe Klaus numbers, that, that that's important. What really concerns me is uh, Bloom, who is out on the, playing with the national team, with the, with the South African national team. And I think that he is a player that has not received as much flashlights as other players. He's key on balancing that team, and, and that's the, the the biggest absence I'm concerned with San Luis for this weekend. Yeah, we have seen what it's like without having Blom in this lineup with this group, so that will be another blow. And you don't have Zhao Klaus as well, and Leuven with an injury. And Leuven, he is second on the team in goals uh, with five. Do you think that Alm and some of the other guys that you mentioned as well, Stroud and Giochini, can handle that playing time more moving forward, playing a full 90? I think so. And, and Lubin, uh, I believe this is the first game uh, San Luis is not going to be playing with him, right? Yes. Because he had played, he started all the all the team, the, the games in the season. I, 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 bought, I bought for Lubin for my all-star, in my all-star votes, because I think he has been one of the most impressive players in, in the league. Uh, and I think that also more than the, the, the absences, and, and this is an opportunity also for, for Bradley Carnell to put probably because of the absences, more offensive player on the starting 11 against a team which characteristics are similar to the teams that San Luis could not beat playing at home, right? Because uh, um, Portland, Minnesota, and, and even this version of the Galaxy, they are very defensive team. They are teams that sit very, very close to their goal. Uh, so this uh, dynamic style of San Luis to move them around and create spaces and create gaps and, 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 uh, and, and create opportunities... It's not the the it's not that what what damage these characteristics of team and, and this national team it's it's kind of like that it's a team that is going to sit very close to their goal it's going to be a very defensive team and it's going to make San Luis make all the hard work and then try to attack in transition with open space. Hi man, I was watching that LA Galaxy game versus City uh, last weekend, and I was surprised that. Galaxy, a team that hasn't performed particularly well, were, were hanging and able to play with City. They were attacking them. It felt like they were playing City style. Do you expect more teams to actually attack City in the way that they normally attack teams? I think that that will depend on, on the quality of the players that they, they have on the pitch because that uh, when you go to a game and try to, to to take the ball away of a team that it's so dynamic with the ball, it, it can either go very good Mm-hmm. Uh, as with the Galaxy, you can see, or it can go very bad. Uh, for example, because a couple of weeks ago, Vancouver came to San Luis and tried to do that. And uh, they were absolutely outplayed in the first uh, 45 minutes because when you have two teams that are trying to do the same, there's only one ball. So there's a team that is going to be struggling a lot in that in that game. Um, so I think that more, more dangerous for, for City are these teams that are trying to do absolutely the opposite. Because if you're a defensive team and you're playing a super offensive team, you are comfortable in your game. You are playing the game you wanted to play. Um, and, and you're giving the, the, the position to the other team. So those op- uh, opposite styles, they end up balancing themselves on, on, on the game. Jaime Macias from Apple TV with us on 101 ESPN. Jaime, Nashville is playing great, obviously, in their inaugural season here. St. Louis City SC is playing great. Atlanta, Minnesota got off to great starts. How important do you think it is for MLS to have these expansion teams, newer franchises, succeeding at an early point in their existence? I think it's very important because um, being a, um, a new franchise, if you lose that first season on, on terms of, of, of being competitive, 
it takes you a very long time to recover. And, and we've seen, like, now Cincinnati's leading, but Cincinnati took them, well, three seasons to be a competitive team. Uh, we're seeing Miami that it's struggling. We've seen Charles that it's struggling too. Uh, but there are some things in common on those teams that you that you mentioned. These are teams that uh, establish themselves playing some of them in USL now in MLX Next Pro. So you have like a, a system, an organization that it's that is rolling, that it's working, that it's working together um, for that transition to MLS. The teams that are struggling the most. They, they didn't have that structure. They just make their MLS debut without having a solid basis in in, 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 in youth system. And, and we see now in this San Luis starting 11, I think that there are three or four players that consistently start every week that play last season in the in the San Luis 2 team that lost the, the final against Columbus in the MLS Next Pro. Here we've been really enjoying the rise of Miggy Perez, you know, the high school star that uh, graduated and was able to score his first MLS goal the other day. And it seems like he'll be getting sore playing time now, too, with these injuries that City SC is going through. What have you thought of his rise? And we're talking about expansion teams, too. That was a big part of what City SC said about coming here is making sure they invest and also invest in the young stars of this city. I really, I really was impressed with him. I, I was in San Luis uh, for the call uh, against the Vancouver game when he scored the the, the third goal, um, and uh, to see to see him step in the pitch with that personality and move the ball around because a midfielder it's somebody that could not um, cannot be shy because the whole team is going to feel it right. And he just came in 18 years old with that personality, asking for the ball, moving the ball around. Uh, and you're right, like he's one of the names that. We're going to be watching, I, I think, during this weekend because of, the, of those absences in, in, in Bloom and in Leuven that are the, the positions that he plays the most. So um, it's a learning curve for him, but for sure this first game has been very, very impressive with him. Jaime Mas, yes, we will be tuned in tomorrow. St. Louis City SC in Nashville. We'll uh, enjoy all the action on Apple TV and on MLS, uh, the season pass. You guys have been doing great work. Keep it up, and thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Anytime. Uh, happy, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. That is uh, Jaime Macias. He will be on the call tomorrow for St. Louis City SC and Nashville. He's also the, the MLS Countdown and Wrap-Up host. So uh, when you watch the broadcast tomorrow, you will see Jaime. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, the Cardinals start a series in New York against the Mets. Big news for Kerry's favorite team. And Kansas City Chiefs players are getting some pretty nice bling. It's coming up on 101 ESPN. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. We would all love to find a button to push. Uh, if we if we thought there was one, we would have pushed it a long time ago. Um, yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating. I, I don't know how to express uh, any more frustration than our fans feel and everyone feels. I mean, this is an organization that that we don't go through this. This is not who we are. It's not how we play. It's not how we how we uh, you know our win loss record is not how, what we expected. It's not what it's been in the past you know decades. It, it, not, nothing like this. That is the Cardinal general manager, Michael Gersh, saying that the Cardinals really don't have an answer. They don't have a button to push as they go to New York with their 27 and 42 record. That would be the bottom. That's 15th in the league. It's not, it's not working for the, me the either. The button's not pushing. <laughs> uh, the Cardinals you, need, send, you need like a giant button to yeah. push. Uh, Miles Michaelis will go to the Mon tonight against Taylor McGill, who's 5-4. and four. The Mets, by the way, with a payroll of a well over $300 million. They have a record of 32-36. and 36. They have the fifth worst record in the National League. So the Cards and Mets with a thrilling weekend this weekend. And we don't get to see... Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. If you're going to lose, at least lose to a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Maybe Cody Singa will be a Hall of Famer. What's the pitch? Yeah, is it a ghost? What is it called? Yeah, ghost cutter? The, the ghost. Is it just a ghost? It's yeah. not a. It's not a cutter. It's not a. What is just? No, it just, just disappears. Yeah, that's good luck. Yeah. It is very spooky. And the Mets, I I don't know if you guys have seen the Mets side of Twitter. They are exploding. I think we, we of course, is bad here in St. Louis, but I don't know if you guys have checked out Mets Twitter. <laughs> they are losing their minds, especially when you talk about their payroll and the difference there, too. That's a lot of money spent to just have on your injured list. Yeah, they'll figure it out, though. Okay. The Cardinals. They just got to find the right button to push, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah, I wish there was a button to push. I wish it was that simple, but it's not. It's not working. It's, it's not, not wor- working. Yours not working either? My button's not working either. What's going on? You need to get a, just like a section of Cardinals fans to show up just like with those easy buttons. Yeah. And just the entire section just be pressing easy buttons the entire time. <laughs> Something goes wrong. That would be hilarious. Angry, a- angry, angry buttons. Randy, <laughs> you did find a button to push, though, with some Cardinals fans, especially some of the texters earlier. That button that you pushed was that you don't think Paul Goldschmidt should be the dramatic trade that Greg Amsinger was hinting towards. Well, that's because I'm not stupid. <laughs> well, Randy. <laughs> if you think that, all due respect, and this is not an overall judgment okay. of your intelligence. Okay. This okay. is a judgment of your baseball intelligence. If you think Paul Goldschmidt should be traded by the Cardinals, you are stupid by definition. Baseball <laughs> yeah. stupid. I, I wish the cameras were on, right, Kerry? Because then people can see Randy's face. Because he's looking at me like I said this. I didn't say it. I know, that, I know that you're projecting that's, that's so that you stupid. can get it's, this to the texters. It's the same people. And, you know, you, you just don't trade MVPs. It, and I know he's going to be 36, but he's still a very productive player. But you know what? There were a lot of people here that hated Matt Holiday for his whole career, too, and couldn't wait to get rid of him. It's Some people do like the idea of being where the Cardinals are. They're masochistic. They're baseball masochists, and they, they want to finish in last place. And if you want to get closer to last place, well, you're already in last place, but if you want to get closer to the Royals, then you trade Paul Goldschmidt. And that just can't happen. No. So then the answer is people have players have to play better. 
Players got to play. Yep. That's it. Exactly. You got to do exactly. your job. U.S. Open continues today in L.A. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley will start the day in the lead at eight under par. Two golfers are at six under, Wyndham Clark and Dustin Queen. Johnson. And then Brian Harmon, Rory McIlroy are uh, tied for th- yeah, fifth, I guess, uh, fifth and sixth. They're at five under. And then Harris English is at minus three. And Bryson DeChambeau. Is it to minus three as well? Those are so, such fancy yeah. names. Yeah, St. Louis City SC in action, as we uh, mentioned with uh, Jaime Macias. Uh, he uh, told us about what's going to happen tomorrow night with St. Louis City SC and Nashville. Any mixed emotions, Brooke? Here, you got your hometown team, and you've got your hometown team. Um, I'm going to be really honest, and I said this during the break. I have not paid attention to Nashville uh, soccer since I left. When when I when I left go. Nashville, they were getting their expansion team, and they were still playing inside a Nissan stadium. So they didn't even have a nice, beautiful facility at the time when I was still in Nashville. Um, I just, I haven't paid attention. I, I really haven't. I'm going to always go for City SC because it was it was very special coming here and seeing that whole process of how much Carolyn Kendall put into this mm-hmm. and how much she cares about the city and how much that whole ownership group cares about the city and seeing them actually put the money to have a stadium ready, facility ready, bring in players in a year early. I'm a huge fan of that, and I'm a huge fan of City SC. Basketball news, Kerry's favorite team is the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. and of course the architect mm-hmm. of their four, five championships? Four. Four championships. Okay. Bob Myers left his general manager's job a couple of weeks ago. Mike Dunleavy Jr. has agreed to a deal to become the new GM, according to ESPN. It's interesting. You see how, how he can work some things out, especially with this cap and the players and how much money they have had to spend over the last eight years trying to keep guys in-house and see what goes on if, if he's willing to make a decision on uh, not Wiggins but Jordan Poole and mm-hmm. Kaminga seeing if those guys are ready to you know accept their roles or if they are still frustrated young players that want to play more and maybe move on from them I don't know they, there are some things that they have to clean up Ideally, I would like to see them also get a big man they try it with James Wiseman Didn't he's a well. big man just not a not, Not a good big, big man. man. Yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, maybe they'll go out and figure that out as well. But all in all, I'm excited about what the Warriors have coming back completely healthy, ready to roll into next season. If you aren't aware of it, Brooke Grimsley is engaged. Did David give you a ring that has at least 614 diamonds? Woo. Um, no. It, okay. <laughs> well, maybe you should have won a Super Bowl. Maybe. Maybe. Can I Can I get a redo on that? I, I'll, I'll make note of that. 614 diamonds. The Chiefs got diamonds, 613 in their Super Bowl rings, and it is unbelievable. So, for example, uh, just to give you an idea of where the diamonds are going to be, 54 diamonds to symbolize the combined 54-point deficits overcome in the last two Super Bowl postseason runs. Uh, they have uh, three flags for all of their championship years. They have multiple diamonds, 38 representing the points scored against the Eagles. Uh, three marquee cut diamonds for each Super Bowl title in franchise history. 16 baguette diamonds for each player who scored a touchdown in the regular oh season. <laughs> 50 diamonds, symbolic of the 50 years the Chiefs have called Arrowhead home. 16 custom cut rubies for the total division titles the franchise has won. Uh, you've also got an, a, a liftoff uh, so you can take the top of the ring off. If you go to the website, the Chiefs website, kcchiefs.com, it is absolutely stunning. For a ring that is really, really gaudy and ostentatious, it's beautiful. Yes, it I would beautiful. wear a ring like that. 
It is beautiful. I'm that looking at it right now. They've gone crazy it. since you yeah. since you got yours even, right? <laughs> yeah. Ours at the time, I think, was the biggest one. Um, and that was a while ago. Almost 15 years. How many years is that? Yeah, 15 years. Did it have all those details in it, too? Yeah, it got a lot of, got a lot of diamonds in it. A lot Secrets? Of, yeah. It's we, didn't, we couldn't take the top off of it. I mean, <laughs> it's one whole ring. It's a very California thing. Yeah, it's kind of cool, though. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I give the Chiefs a ton of credit for turning out a beautiful that championship is a, that ring. That's a very good ring. 16.1 total carats, 609 round, round diamonds, 16 baguette diamonds, four marquise. Is it marquee or marquise diamonds? I think, I think it's marquee. And then 35 custom cut genuine rubies. So, uh, an impressive uh, piece of jewelry that you get for being a, a champion with the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations to them. Very yeah. nice. Rockio hates looking at all these diamonds right and, now. Well, he's waiting on the, the ring from uh, from the Nuggets. Oh, yeah. I, right? don't, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that one, yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. And then one final note, CD, I want you to weigh in on this because Michael Jordan was the first... African-American owner of a major pro sports franchise, and he, according to Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, is finalizing the sale of the Hornets to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall. Michael has owned the Hornets for 13 years, and an agreement is expected to be signed in the coming days. Good for him. I mean, I don't know the the number. What is he selling it for? Uh, He bought for 850 and he's selling for well north of a billion. There you go. Good good sound business deal sounds like to me. Yeah. Sounds oh no, like, Jordan paid 275. Yeah, I thought it was around 200 yeah, two, million. 275. And so he's selling it for close for, to almost 2 billion, right? 1.3, yeah, 1.8 yeah. 1. so, something like that. That's a pretty good investment. Yeah, on that's his a pretty part, good right? investment. 13 years? Yeah. He knows how to make money. He knows how to make money. Is yes. his is his involvement aside from just being an ambassador? Is his involvement in the NBA over now in terms of being with a team or in yeah, the league office? Probably. I don't think the day-to-day portion of it, I mean, I don't know. They weren't, they didn't have great success in Charlotte. It wasn't. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great at all. So I think that, you know, potentially he his run there is done. I don't know that he would want to get back in there and, and fail. He This is actually a win. You buy something for $275 million and and sell it for a billion plus that's a win. Despite despite not winning playoff games and championships, he won. Yes, he did. So That's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN coming up. Chip is in New York. Going to find out what Chip Carey is up to when he goes to NYC. The voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports joins us next, as he does every Friday here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There we go. Going to come after Chip like a spider monkey. Chip Carey is the Cardinals play-by-play man on Bally Sports. The Cardinals opening a series tonight in New York. It'll be Miles Michaelis against uh, Taylor McGill. And uh, first of all, Chip, good morning. How are you doing? Doing great, Randy. On the streets of New York, we're out on our walk this morning. I've got Brad Thompson. He's got his coffee. Emily Stevens has her avocado toast. Ricky Horton has his uh, uh, mountain water. 
and we're making our way to Central Park. So it's a great way to start. Very nice. That's beautiful. Okay, I got to start with this. Uh, your take as a gentleman about the same age as me on avocado toast. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I love avocados and I like toast. And if you've ever seen me, you can tell I like food. So I'm a two thumbs up kind of guy. Okay, I don't like avocados. I do like toast. So, uh, but I have no problem with people. Carrie Davis gave it a thumbs up. Thumbs with up. people that like Emily that ordered an avocado toast, I have no problem. As a matter of fact, the rest of my family really likes it. Yeah, she's a lot healthier than the rest of us. Yeah. So she's probably trying to so, slowly uh, teach us by example what we should probably be consuming. It's nutritious yeah. and delicious, Chip. There you go, it's there you great. go right? And it's <laughs> yeah. powerful. <Perfect>. <laughs> well, <laughs> Chip, uh, we were talking about yesterday where we were wondering if there was going to be anything coming out of the Cardinals, anything to kind of shake things up. Are you surprised that nothing happening after Flag Day? Uh, you know, like I don't really get into personnel stuff or whether I'm surprised or not surprised. Look, I think we've all agreed that this team is better than the way that they have played. I think they have confidence in the guys that they have. They just have to go out and show it. I mean, my personal belief is there's been an awful lot of talk about, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that, and it's really just been talk. Now you've got to go do it. Uh, you've got an opportunity in this series with the Mets. They're down. Uh, Alonzo's hurt. Uh, Francisco Lindor hasn't been playing great. You're going to miss uh, Scherzer and Verlander. Then you go to Washington, they're a team that's in rebuild, and yeah, they have a better record than we do, but that's an opportunity to, to get healthy before you go to London. But the time for talk is over. The time for play is now, and I think if the Cardinals want to be serious about improving their chances in the division, it's got to start tonight, and they've got to start doing all the little things and just do their jobs and then put together a string wins. Chip, I'm, I've been saying for the longest, it's, it's tough when if it were one person consistently messing up, then you could pull that one person and, and put someone else in. But it's a tough task when you have people taking turns. How do they get that corrected? Because it feels like the buttons that, that, that Ali is pushing seem to be the right button at the time, but that person doesn't take care of their business. How do you fix that? That way you just got to go after it day to day, and that's the most frustrating part of it. You're exactly right, Terry. Uh, the days they don't pitch, they don't hit. When they don't hit, they pitch. You know, it's, it's, it's just been maddeningly frustrating, the wild inconsistency of performance. But I think you have to settle on one thing first. They're trying to fix the defense. They've got Tommy Evan playing the outfield. They've got Walker in left. Uh, they're going to get Newfar back at some point, I think, on this road trip. That will help solidify things defensively. I'm sure you've read all the articles about how the Cardinals on the, the defensive front have not played well, and they haven't. Uh, you got to fix that first. If you catch the ball, it's going to make your pitching better. Uh, if you pitch and you catch the ball, that means you're not giving up extra runs, and that means your offense only has to score two or three or four to win. I think one thing leads to another, but you've got to fix one thing first, and I think defense is, is where they got to start. Chip, Wilson Contreras has been struggling mightily. He hit 100 in the month of June so far, 134 in the month of May. How do they get him back on track? Well, he can't get on track if he doesn't play. Uh, so yeah. that's ultimately, like I said, it's, it's one thing to talk about improvements. It's another thing to go out and do it. Uh, what I thought Contreras did so well when he had that long three-week hot streak was he hit the ball to right field. You can see it right now. He is pulling off of everything. Everything is to the full side, and they're giving him the entire right side of the infield if he shoots a ball that way. If he can learn to stay inside the baseball, hit it the other way, let it travel, and not try to hit a five-run homer with every swing, I think he will be well-served by that. But 
Obviously, that's a lot harder to do when you're in the box facing 98-mile-an-hour sinkers. It's easy for us to talk about it, but ultimately, if he does that, I think that's what's going to get him back on track. Chip Carey, the voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports with us on 101 ESPN. And Chip, as great as Miles Michaelis was in May, and he was spectacular with a sub-2 ERA, his first two starts of June have left something to be desired. That being said, I, I want to know if you agree with me. I fully expect Michaelis to pitch well tonight at City Field. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, you guys are going to have clunkers. Uh, the first month, I think we all would agree that uh, you know the WPC kind of got in the way of his routine. That was April and May, was, April I should say, was kind of his spring training. Then he rattled off a great run in May, and the first couple aren't uh, up to his high standards. But yeah, this guy wants to win. He knows how to win, and he knows where the Cardinals are. And he can be the guy that sets the tone for the entire road trip. Go out, have a, a, a terrific six-plus inning start. Limit damage, pitch effectively, get ahead, work quickly, work economically, keep your defense on the toes, and I think that'll help as well. And I think that's something else that gets overlooked. We've had so many long innings with our pitchers, 20, 25 pitch innings. If you're out there defensively, you know, that's that's a lot of time, man. Let's let's work, let's get a 15, 16 pitch, one, two, three inning every now and then. I think everybody's defense and morale will improve. Chip, a hot topic today has been Paul Goldschmidt, Greg Amsinger, talking yesterday about a painful trade, and he brought up Paul Goldschmidt. You're around this group and team every single day. What are your thoughts on that and uh, Paul Goldschmidt? Well, my understanding is that he's got a total no trade, so I don't know that that would happen. Uh, so that that's just, uh, you know, uh, Ablon. Uh, but look, you know, I, I think the Cardinals are going to have to evaluate where they are over the next three, four weeks, and that's the position they've placed themselves in. Ultimately, I know in my past histories of covering teams, every player wants to make things as difficult as possible for the front office to not make a deal, right? They want to force their hand and say, go get us some help so that we can go out and win a division or win a World Series. Right now, the Cardinals are in a position where, unless there's some drastic improvement, there might have to be some painful changes that have to be made. But that's the position they played themselves into. And as Ollie said back in April and May, this is what they've done. Now they've got to play their way out of it. And uh, hopefully it'll be a lot better than it's been the last two weeks. By the way, Chip, nice play with the word pablum. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thought well, he said problem. <laughs> <laughs> Chip, you're walking with two pitchers. So we were with Stephen Matz the other day. He's obviously a lefty, but he swings a golf club righty. So ask Ricky, can he swing a golf club righty? And can BT swing, swing a golf club lefty? Because that was amazing to me that he's able to swing the golf club opposite of how he throws. Nolan Gorman and Alec Burleson as well were both righties on the golf club. Say that again? Well, I, I, I misunderstood the question. I said, so I, you're walking with two pitchers, Ricky Horton yeah. and, and, and BT, correct? Yes. So we were with Steven Matz at B, Big League Impact on Sunday, and he's right. a lefty, but he swings a golf club righty. So I need you to ask BT and, and, and Ricky if they can swing the golf club opposite of what they throw. Okay, hang on. Let me ask him. Okay, uh, <laughs> Terry wants to know, can you swing a golf club left-handed? Yes. Yes. Okay, Ricky, no, can you no, swing no, right well. Yes, I can. He says, yes, he can. Is and he has good? an evil, impish grin on his face. <laughs> yes, so just, you guys need to know that. Emily, can you swing a golf club opposite-handed? She says no. Emily says no. Well, see, I think those other two might not be telling the truth either. BT specifically. Yeah, yeah like, he's, in, he's, he's Eddie Haskell. I think it's just amazing. Hey, uh, by the way, just one other thing. Uh, Chip, as you guys go on this walk, and I think it's fabulous that you're walking through Central Park, if you get a little bit north and get up to Times Square, can you say hi to Elmo and Cookie Monster for me? 
Sure, I'll be happy to. As long as you don't make me say hi to the naked cowboy, we're in business. And what did you guys do last night? I've heard that you're the ringleader, which is wonderful. You get all the broadcasters. Well, no, just uh, on the road. You're the social director, correct? I try, yeah. You know what? I love every single person on the media side of things. And look, that's not to eliminate the team either. But these guys and gals are really tremendous people. And, I, you know, I, I'm really proud of the family affair that I tried to help create in Atlanta with our crew and do stuff and get out and enjoy and spend time because they become surrogate family to all of us. And, uh, you know, anytime we get a chance to sit down and just laugh and as things are going right now, just sort of wallow in our miseries together and pull each other out of it, that's fun. And when things go well, it's even more fun to get together and do stuff. But we have a wonderful opportunity to see the world on someone else's time, to spend time with people you care about uh, as an empty dump truck rolls by here. It's a joy. It's really, it's really a lot of fun. They're good people, and who wouldn't want to spend time with good people? Hey, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. Have a, have a good, safe walk, and we'll be tuned in tonight. Sounds great, guys. See you. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Chip. Chip Carey, the uh, TV voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports, and you'll see him from City Field in New York with Brad Thompson tonight. I like that they go walking when they're out of town. Together. Yeah. Right at this re- same time every every week, huh? Yeah, yeah, and Klabe says that he has become the social director. He gets everybody together for dinners or outings Very and stuff nice. like that. So it is. It's a, That's a good way to, yeah. to build a bonding experience among people that are doing the same thing mm-hmm. but might not ordinarily spend the time together that they should. So Chip Chip does that, and that's pretty cool. Hey, coming up, the Blues have a couple of new assistant coaches. Now they're going to head to the draft and free agency in a couple of weeks. What are the expectations of the Blues as they build for 23-24? That's coming your way next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, a big commitment um, to doing it. And then also in training camp, really working on it. Really spending a lot of time in the battles in training camp and, and the, spending time on the D side of things. You know, it starts, really a lot of it starts in the offensive zone, just not giving up odd bad rushes and being above people and checking being above people and checking, having more patience in your game, um, being more committed to to playing without the puck and doing a better job. That is Chief Craig Ruby, head coach of your St. Louis Blues, who finished 15 points out of a playoff spot. If they would have had 15 more points, they would have been in the playoffs in 2022-2023, but 
he didn't get significant buy-in. And that's what he's talking about is the, the Blues need to do, it's kind of like what we're talking about with the Cardinals, they needed to do the little things well. You need to maintain puck possession in the offensive zone. You can't have turnovers. The attention to detail for last year's Blues was not sufficient enough. And that's where they need to start, like he said, at the beginning of training camp. With any team, you go back to ground zero and you start with your basic fundamentals. And from the beginning of the season last year, from the fourth or fifth game in, and Craig Ruby said this. He, he saw things falling apart really early because there just wasn't that substantial buy-in. No, and you could tell that, too, with the defense especially and the penalty kill. How much was that just a big issue? Those two things, a big issue for the Blues last season. And Weber, what's interesting about him coming in, that's going to be primarily his focus, of course, and that's going to be his job is to handle that. Because the defense, it underperformed, and you have to find a way to move forward with this group, right? Because this is the group that you have currently. Nothing has changed as of right now. And from what I've read, too, it seems like Weber will really like a player in Tyler Tucker. Tucker was a name that kind of emerged a lot last season. I'm interested to see if he can sustain that and also grow as a player under Weber, too. Yeah, and he he is what the Blues need in terms of being rugged, that was the key to their their 2019 team. It wasn't, rugged isn't the right word. They were long, and they were able to play defense with their sticks. And last year's team, it just wasn't a long group. So they need more size, they need more height, they need more length, they need more heft. And Tucker, even though he's 6'2", he's a guy that can get in the lane and block a shot. And that was one of the other things Chief talked about the other day, is the desire to block a shot. And that's another thing that Weber is going to have to instill with this group. I think grit is a word that mm-hmm. they needed as well. And you heard, uh, we. I want to know how well he can connect with those guys that aren't as interested in playing defense as as need to be at times playing the 200 foot game the penalty penalty kill was not great last year defensively they weren't great we saw a lot of the forwards really not assisting in in that manner how do you connect all of those guys to play a team game to take care of the puck in the offensive zone so you don't have the odd man rush coming back to your D zone how do you get all of those guys connected and willing to do the job that is required to be a good hockey team that's if I, that's a key a five man unit right that's what they've always talked about. Now, one of the things that they could do is if they could get a healthy Oscar Sundquist back, he's a guy that draws, drags players into the battle. And he did it when he was here before. He's a free agent. He would like to come back. We had him on the show yesterday. And Jeremy Rutherford said there's a possibility that Oscar could. I think there's a chance. I really do. I think that uh, they could use a veteran guy in that bottom six. I think we know what he brings to the table. And, oh, my gosh, if I've learned anything about Doug Armstrong in the last 12-plus years is that uh, he loves guys that he's had before. You know, he's got faith in them and, and really believes in them. And So if you bring a guy like that back, that provides, for me, the, the sort of fourth-line energy that this team is sorely lacking right now. Well, and we look back to that 2019 Stanley Cup championship team, that fourth line was very intense as well with Oscar Sunquist, but also to just imagine a line with Oscar Sunquist and Alexi Torpchenko. Somebody texted yeah. that in yesterday, and you're missing that physicality from the Fords as well. We we talked about that a lot last season. That's why we saw Torpchenko with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo a lot. 
Are we sure that he would even be a fourth liner? I mean, would you put Pavel Buznevich back at the wing and move Shin up, and maybe he's a third liner, and maybe you have because I don't. Buznevich did a great job, but I don't think center is his his natural position. Agreed. Right? So he's better on the wing. So you would want, and you need somebody. That's one position that they are in need of. Defensemen, I think those guys, they're similar to what the Cardinals have. They just got to play better. They're, they're stuck, they're, yeah. They're, they're there. They got to play better than what they did last season. But it, it, with the new coaching staff, I would ex- I would accept and expect that this is going to be a young ascending team. I want to see Jake Neighbors get better. If Snuggerud is here, I want to see him get better. I, I don't know about Bolduke. He's a little fella, but he had a great season and a great postseason. A wee lad. He, he is. Uh, I know what I'm going to get out of Braden Shen. I know what I'm going to get out of Robert Thomas. I know what I'm going to get, if he's healthy, out of Buchnevich. But Vrana, Cap, Cas, uh, Kasperi Kapanen, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to see what I can get out of those guys. Think about this, too, with Toro. Uh, if you would have... And I'm just talking about fourth line. I'm going to have to work around what I do with the third line center. Mm-hmm. But if I have a line of Sunquist, Blay, and Toropchenko, that's going to cause some havoc for yes. the opposition. And I it agree. feels like they, over the years, have kind of been moving. And maybe this is what Weber is going to be doing as well, just going back to that defensive unit, is that they're kind of moving away from... You know, you can be hard to play against without always necessarily being a physical defenseman. It can be more about the mobile puck moving as well, just kind of taking away that time and space. And they didn't do a great Mm -hmm. job of that last year as a defensive unit. And Justin Falk, not sometimes great, but that's somebody that you can look to as well. And I also am interested to see how Scott Perunovich fits into this situation as well. Because to me, he's almost like another Tory Krug. Mm. I think the the commitment to defense wasn't there, and I think that's one thing that Mike Weber is going to have to. That's a task that he has to manage, making sure the guys are committed to being, you know, strong defensively, and not just. We saw a lot of times where guys were just sticking their stick out and not skating to the body, not really being overly aggressive or, or attacking anyone. They just were kind of waiting and, and and allowing offenses to do whatever they wanted to do. Our power plays looked so different from other teams' power plays and how they would attack us. And it's just, it's it's all of that is commitment to, to doing the things defensively and being sound and wanting to do it. Defense generally is, is a commitment and want to. And those guys, at times, didn't really want to all the time. And please, it doesn't matter the size, too, of the defenseman or whoever it is. Defend the front of the net. Just defend the front of the net, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and there's one guy that can. And... I, I think we kind of take for granted how good Marco Scandella is when he's healthy because we really haven't seen a healthy Marco Scandella now for a couple of years. He did come back for a time last year and then had another injury after the hip. But if you have Scandella, he's a guy that makes Colton Pareko a better player. Mm-hmm. And Colton needs a partner. And to me, Scandella would be a great fit. He'd be a great fit if you put him in there with Falk, too. I, re- I would really like to see him. Brooke, you mentioned Perunovic. I don't think you can play Perunovic and Krug on the same night because they're the same guy, right? And they're too small. You can't have two wee lads back on the blue line on the left side. Two wee power play specialists, right? You just, I just like how we're having a serious conversation lads. and then like wee lads just yeah. pops in there. I just it, think of like what, what leprechauns. About, what about my guy Callie Rosen? Does he have a place on this team next year? He's got to have a place on the team. And it might be as a seventh defenseman. They never fell in love with him, mm-hmm. but he's got to be on your roster. 
Yeah, we'll I, see how it, how it plays out. I agree. I mean, I thought he did all the right things yeah. last season. He did and when everything. He got his that opportunity. He definitely did. Well, who knows? Maybe a young coach comes in and, and, and kind of opens up the a spot for a guy like Callie Rosen, and he wins him over. And maybe that's the big change you need to get get, yeah. get some different coaches in there. Maybe this is the staff that gets Rosen going. No, he's going to score when he gets his opportunities. <laughs> and I I do expect this team to get better. And I hope the these new coaches help young players get better. If that happens, then they can reach elite status the year after. As Tom Stillman told us on Monday, he doesn't expect this team to be elite in 23-24, but I would expect that it will be young and improving. And then you add the pieces when the cap goes up the year after, the cap goes up and some salaries come off to get yourself back to elite status for 24. And what was the issue? Another thing that was pointed out last season is the concern was Craig Ruby being able, was he able to connect with these young players? These were these his hires, 35-year-old, 28-year-old. Hopefully this will help with connecting with the younger yeah. players. And I think there was a real issue with McTavish mm. being in his mid-60s and not having coached in 12 years. So not only is, is he trying to coach players that he probably doesn't have a the ability to relate with, but he's also trying to coach a sport yeah. that has changed dramatically since the last time he was a coach. Yeah, you got to have a, 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 a voice in that room, kind of a presence about yourself. And I think hopefully he comes in, Mike Weber comes in and has that with this defense and can really get those guys to buy in. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got rock and roll here. Stick around. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, it's time for Rock and Roll. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, during the we talked about the Angels reverse boycott on Wednesday. A's. Uh, A's. Excuse me, I said Angels, my bad. Uh, I thought an A and said Angels. The Athletics reverse boycott was on Wednesday, and as that was going down, there was a vote going down in Nevada to pass the money to help the A's move to Las Vegas. Well, unfortunately for Oakland fans, Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo has signed the bill pledging $380 million to the A's plan in Vegas. And here was Rob Manfred yesterday in his comment uh, about this situation. It has always been baseball's policy and preference to stay put. And, uh, you know, I think that always colors any conversation um, uh, uh, about relocation. Um, Having said that, I think that the owners as a whole understand that there has been a multi-year, approaching a decade effort where for the vast majority of the time, the sole focus was Oakland. Um, And look, I, I, believe me, and I hear from them, you know, I, I, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I do not like this outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. I think that the real question is, what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer, okay? I mean, they, they never got to the point where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. And it's not just John Fisher. You don't build a stadium based on the club activity alone. The community has to provide support. And, you know, at some point you come to the realization it's just not going to happen. I mean, maybe Hmm. some of that lack of community support 
is directly because of John Fisher and the baseball product that they've been putting out for a long time. Yeah. Just maybe a little consideration into the facts there, Mr. Manfred. Yeah. I'm it, angry it, it's always intriguing when they say it's never our thought to do this unless money comes up is what they should say. Unless money is involved, then anything is on the table. Right, Jay Monahan? Like anything. Yeah, w- yeah. Whatever, whatever your plan was, money is going to supersede that if it's the right number. And we've seen it in multiple multiple places. Well, I can tell you that right across the bay, eight miles away in San Francisco, the Giants lost public votes four different times and then wound up funding their own stadium, which is now that Oracle happens? Park. Wait, what? People yeah. people can pay for their own stadium. You don't have to use the, no. the, the, the city's finance. You don't have to These owners use are, the public no. money for, for your own stadium. You, you can actually build your own. You can build your own. Wow. And eight miles away, a franchise hmm. did that. It's pretty disingenuous for Rob Manfred, unless maybe he wasn't paying attention in 2000 yeah, when maybe. the Giants built that stadium. Maybe. It's pretty disingenuous, in my opinion, for him to say, yeah, it's got to be publicly funded when no it doesn't Hmm. the 49ers uh, with help from santa clara built their own stadium the warriors helped significantly in building Hmm. chase arena so no it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be 100 percent publicly funded interesting and again you you can't you can't ignore the fact this is the this is one of the most cash rich ownership groups in major league baseball this isn't a, a team where everything's tied up in the team and, and the real estate and things like that. This is a, this is an ownership group that has cash to spend mm-hmm. if they want to. But you know, three hundred eight million dollars from the taxpayers of Nevada sounds a lot better, I guess. It, of course it does. With NFL stadiums too, and I maybe I can get your perspective on this, CD. Sometimes some of the new ones, and I'm I'm looking at Nashville, and I saw also what Jacksonville. I don't know if you saw the renderings of what they're proposing as well for their new stadium. But these stadiums are kind of ridiculous. Do they really need to be this massive? and cost this much because I mean some of them have freaking poles in them like (laughs) the one in Jacksonville had palm trees and I tweeted and I was like well this is going to look weird in London but you know that that tweet didn't go over well but you know I'm just saying like is it really necessary to make them this massive when we know the NFL cares most about TV contracts well, I think they they do that to get people get butts in seats, but I you don't. You need a pool. You don't need a pool. I don't think you need a pool. Here's the thing with the NFL: they they get away with it, and they want to bring because tickets are so expensive now. They want to bring corporate people in to be entertained outside of football. So. They have things to distract people from the actual football part of Mm. the game. Because like you say, Brooke, the people that are really interested probably can't afford to go and are going to watch on TV. So you get a bunch of luxury suites and you're you're setting it up for people that are spending $500, $600, $700 for a ticket so that they can entertain their clients. Yeah. I went to that Dallas stadium and I found myself and everyone else watching the game on the screen as opposed to on the field. Even broadcasters. Oh, it's kind of strange. It's I, huge. Their Jumbotron is yeah. huge. And it's ironic we're having this discussion uh, around an Oakland team because Amy Trask, who used to obviously be in the front office for the Oakland Raiders, she's a big proponent of what she refers to as boutique stadiums, which is that if your exact point right now for the majority of people in a stadium, they can have a better experience back at home. So what you do is you shrink the stadiums that makes it easier to pay for them, build them, fit them in areas where it makes sense for the locale. I'm looking at you, San Francisco. And then not only do you do that, but now the people at the actual stadium have a premium viewing experience, whereas opposed to if you don't want to be one of the you know 25,000 in there, well, then you're watching from home and you're still getting a great viewing experience. 
Heck, look at City Park. That's There's not a bad seat in the house, 22-5. Al Davis wanted to build a 40,000-seat stadium in Oakland. Amy Trask was yep. the president of his team. And he said, we're getting all this money from television. We don't need ticket revenue. Why don't we just base it on supply and demand? If we get 40,000 seats, we'll just sell them for more because mm-hmm. there's going to be higher demand. So your net is going to be the same. That's the way the NFL should go because in markets of this size or Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has a really rough time now, as good as the franchise is, getting butts in the seats at the stadium. Cincinnati, Cleveland, the, these, Tennessee will be this way. It's going to be hard ultimately to get 70,000 people to come and spend eight hours in an area to watch a game on game day. You got to lower the prices. Lower yep. some par- parking yeah. prices. Lower some concessions. If you want to get a if lot you want of people, people to be there, yep. right? The, the pool's not enough. And also, you're telling me that a lot of people don't want to pay money to see Ryan Tannehill. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're going to see that, Will that's Levis. Not, that's not like bringing out to the Sparkin fans. Well, Levis is ready. <laughs> Malik Willis from last year, and then Ryan Tannehill. He and doesn't make mistakes, AJ bro. bro. Oh no! Oh, oh no! no. That's such a sore subject. That cost somebody their job. That cost somebody <laughs> their job, have. rightfully so. Harry, that was a bad decision. <laughs> that was terrible. Was on call oh my god! It was a low blow. We just added to the long list. No, you're fine. Here, it's inter- long uh, list. Interesting so bad note ideas. here. This is home attendance, guys, for last season in the NFL. Percent of capacity. No surprise that <laughs> Washington would be the lowest, right? The Giants were second lowest, and they were a playoff team. Uh, they drew to 92.7% of capacity. Atlanta, not very good, but a new stadium. Dallas, at 93.5%, was the fourth lowest percent of capacity. And Pittsburgh only filled to 969 which is, you'd figure that the Steelers, with their pedigree and history, that they would sell out at 100%. Uh, the, there were 13 teams that sold out to 100%, but... Uh, Tennessee didn't, Detroit didn't, Jacksonville didn't, the Rams didn't. Really interesting that uh, there, there were so many teams that did not get to 100%. I mean, look at this. That's, That's Tennessee? See, no, this is Jaguars. This is oh, their yeah. The new um, drawings that they're throwing out there, or is it the current one you're showing us? Uh, why, why, do you, why do you yeah. think the new colleges don't have problems drawing? Like Penn State can sell out 100,000 yeah, seats. I, I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, there's an emotional investment there that... You, it's your school. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to see your school that I think exists for a lot of NFL teams, but not every NFL team. Right. And I think the other part of it is college tickets generally cost less. And when you go, when and this might be bitterness over the NFL leaving here, I would prefer to watch the quality and the the smoothness of an SEC game over an NFL game. Plus, I think you have to factor in that Penn State's one of the large, you know, Penn State, yeah. an example, that's like, that's 40,000 undergrads, peep, kids in walking distance of your stadium. Yeah, but they aren't drawing that many students. No. True, the, okay. the, the, the SEC, Missouri notwithstanding, right. all those schools draw a ton. Damn, uh, and, and I just, the officiating in the NFL, the amount of penalties that they call, I, I just don't think that the, the product is very, very compelling. I'm not trying to say that the NFL product isn't great. I'm just saying that it's kind of like the pace, like we're talking about with baseball these days. The pace of play in the mm. SEC to me is better than the pace of play in the NFL. I can, I can see what you're saying. One last thing before we go. Uh, congratulations, United States men's national team. Last night they got a 3-0 win over El Tri, Mexico. It's one of the biggest wins in the Mexico-United Ooh. States rivalry. There was some issues at the end. The referee ended the game in the second half stoppage minutes because there was an anti-gay slur being said in the stands. Here's the thing, though. That 
the Mexican Soccer Federation has had a huge problem over the years now because when a opposing goalie goes for a goal kick, the Mexican fans have historically started a chant that is in its basis anti-gay. And so that's the chant that was breaking out. In fact, when they stopped the game again, Matt Turner, the goal, the goalie for the United States, had just hit a goal kick. The chant goes out again. The referee stops it. They got fined 108 grand. The uh, Federation of Mexican Soccer, or Mexican Football, I believe it is correctly called, um, back in the World Cup year because of this same exact thing. And saw last night ending the game a little bit early. But, uh, um, you know, good for the United States getting a win, obviously. Three Mexi- nil. The Mexican uh, fans need to figure out what, what they're doing out there. 3-0 three n- three on the pitch at Allegiant Field in Vegas. Hmm. There's rock and roll for you here on 101 ESPN. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say, hope you all have a great weekend. It's been a great week. Oh, uh, where are you going? You're not going anywhere. anywhere. No. What, what do you mean? We're just, this, this is one of nine fifty six, right? We're off at ten. <laughs> no. So I just you no, all you no, got no. Here. We're here till eleven. Bears. Don't Wait, what? Us. We've got a different schedule now. We, we, we're here till who made who decided this? What are we doing here? Till <laughs> like eleven? Not me. <laughs> oh, oh. Hey, next up. <laughs> There are actually those of you out there that think the Cardinals should trade Paul Goldschmidt. Are you nuts? If you are, text in, send us a mic drop. We want to hear from you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There's a way to be a seller and a buyer at the same time and, and really shake things up. Trade the MVP. Trade the guy that's not going to be part of the future for the next three, four years. It opens up a spot at first base where if you want Jordan Walker to find a spot that can play every day and be your next Albert Pools, all of a sudden Jordan Walker's got that spot. And you don't have to worry about the wear and tear on this six foot five frame. You're going to get a haul, a haul back. That was Greg Amsinger yesterday on the opening drive talking about what the Cardinals need to do to shake things up. He's suggesting trading the Cardinals' current leader in OPS, OPS Plus, second on the team in slugging, uh, leads the team with a 382 on base, and is leading the team with a 288 batting average. Also has a total of 11 home runs. That's third on the team. And in RBIs, Paul Goldschmidt is third. Paul Goldschmidt is a key cog in any success the Cardinals have or are going to have. He has shown no drop-off. There's no reasonable, uh, aside from the fact that he's going to turn 36, there's no reasonable uh, evidence to suggest that he is going to suffer a dramatic drop-off. He is the Cardinals' best player. We saw how often the Cardinal defense struggled when Matt Carpenter was their first baseman, and then it got better on the infield when they got Paul Goldschmidt. You do not improve yourself, and I have a ton of respect for Greg Amzinger, but you don't improve yourself by trading Paul Goldschmidt. Do you shake things up? Yes, you do, but you don't get better. And the other aspect of this, there's two parts of it. Number one, as... Chip Carey noted last hour, you do have a player that has a full no-trade clause that wanted to be here. This is where Paul Goldschmidt wanted to be. And the other part that I would look at is what contending team, as great as Paul Goldschmidt is, needs a first baseman of his ilk so that they could make the playoffs and would have major league-ready staff ace quality pitching available to trade for him. 
That, and that's where I'm kind of lost on this, too. We did we do get a lot of texts in about this. Somebody from the 314 said, I'm in favor of trading Goldie at this point. The team has not advanced him with no, well, no team has, according to them. And he clearly isn't much of a leader and does not motivate his teammates. It's time to get a haul for him. The downside to this is how it affects Arenado. And he doesn't have to motivate his teammates. What he needs to do is hit. That's his job. And it'd be nice to have somebody that is a big motivator. But he's played in the playoffs a lot. Every year he's been with the Cardinals, they've played in the playoffs. And he's been their best player. You're So how can you say that he hasn't helped the team? If the Cardinals were, let's say it's July 15th, and the Cardinals are in the same boat, you, you think that trading him to a contender, which is probably the only way he would leave, and getting something in return that could help you in the future. Because if you're still, if you at that point, you're eight games back right now in NL Central. And I'm again, I'm not going to worry about being under 500 because we'll probably be under 500 mm-hmm. the entire year. And you probably can win the division still being under 500 because the division isn't great. So if you are 12 games back, 15 games back in July, and you know this season is it's done and you want to get something in return, looking forward to next year. If Paul Goldschmidt wants to go to a contender, would that still – because he's not going to go anywhere else, right? He's not going to go somewhere else where he doesn't have a chance to win a championship. That may be a point where you could look at something like that, do what's best for the player, but also doing what's best for your team. If you can find me a team that has a need for a slugger and a couple of controllable stud arms, I'll do it. San Diego Padres? They traded all of their prospects for one Soto. They don't have yeah. coming back? No. Nothing? Uh, that would be a team that might be intriguing for him. Uh, do the Padres... I, I just... Uh, and they're, they're seven and a half games back, but they are much closer. Uh, they, and they yeah, should be and, better and than be what they for are. It. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got... They aren't trading Darvish. They aren't trading Musgrove. They've got Blake Snell, who I think is coming up on free agency. And they've got Waka, been there, done that. They've got Seth Lugo. Nick Martinez, does he move the needle for you to move a guy like uh, like Paul Goldschmidt? I just, I don't see the, the match there for him. And by the way, and Greg assumed that Jordan Walker will be able to play first base. Cardinals assumed that Matt Carpenter would be a good first baseman, too. Mm. And the, one of the reasons that they did improve defensively on the infield, and the infield is not a huge part of the issue here this year, but Goldschmidt makes every single infielder a lot better mm-hmm. because of his proficiency at first base. Yeah. I don't see the upside to moving him, and I don't see the team, the other team, where you say, okay, that would be a good move for them because everybody's trying to get what the Cardinals are trying to get. Everybody wants major league ready young starting pitching. And if you have it, you don't trade it. Because if you have it like you're Atlanta, you're good. You don't want to trade that that's the reason that you're good. So if I'm another team, as great as Paul Goldschmidt is, it's harder to find pitching than it is to find a bat. It is. It is. And it's interesting, too. I want to go back to what Chip said because he brought up the no trade clause as well, but also some other points. Look, I think we've all agreed that this team is better than the way that they have played. I think they have confidence in the guys that they have. They just have to go out and show it. I mean, my personal belief is there's been an awful lot of talk about, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that. And it's really just been talk. Now you got to go do it. 
the time for talk is over. The time for play is now. And I think if the Cardinals want to be serious about improving their chances in the division, it's got to start tonight. And they've got to start doing all the little things and just do their jobs and, and put together a string with And, oh, by the way, that includes Goldschmidt, who is – almost without question, the Cardinals' best hitter, but yes. includes Arenado, and it includes Adam Wainwright, he's, who's pitching this weekend. It's all the veterans who say, hey, no problem with the coaches. It's it's all on us. Well, then you got to show it. You've got to come through because if it's not the coaches, I'm pretty sure you aren't bad players, then you aren't trying. It, it, it could only be one other thing. If, if the coaching is fine, and I've seen before that you can play and you aren't performing. Either you're hurt and you're not telling me or you're not trying. Uh, I don't know if they're not trying. I just think they are running into a group of bad luck just consistently over and over and over again. And again, it's not that it's one person. It's they're taking turns figuring out how to whose turn is it today? Well, Gallegos, all right, I'll step up. It, they are they are taking turns and not intentionally. It's just We're 69 games in. And 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 it's really bad. That's a big sample there size. There is there is and there and that's why when you hear Gersh say I don't know what is going on or I don't know how to fix it, no one knows because the only people that can fix it is those people on the field locking in mm-hmm. for nine full innings or plus whatever they go extra innings whatever that is. That's the only way that it can be done. Every single person making that decision to be dialed in for the entire game. And it sounds like they're also grappling with what is the truth here? What is what is the worst truth? Is it that this team is truly not good enough and not capable of winning games consistently and even going on any sort of run? Is that what they're trying to figure out? Or is it just that they've run into some bad luck? And this is just, it is what it is at this moment, and you hope that we'll have some devil magic again. Sometimes three months of bad luck happen, it might right? be who you are. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, and it's it's interesting because we've seen, I think you can pinpoint, pinpoint a game where you've had at least one player make a mistake, and that mistake could cost you. That's mm-hmm. how That's how close these games are for the Cardinals right now. It's not like... They are, you know, what's their record in in one one run games? They, they are seven, seven and sixteen. Yeah, that that tells you right there that they're not finishing games. There are certain as certain things taking place during the game where they're not dialed in or locked in the entire time, and that one run comes back and bites them in the butt. And that's essentially what's happening for, for, to this team right now. One other quick point here: if you are somebody who's complained about the <laughs> trades of Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen and Randy Rosarena and the sale of Adolis Garcia to the Rangers, okay, so you've complained about that. What makes you think the Cardinals will be able to evaluate somebody else's prospects and get stars back in return for Paul Goldschmidt? Yeah, that's that's a very fair point. I I, I don't. Uh... I think they do a decent job. It's just when guys get here, they, we talked about the Rosa Rosarena trade. That no one even, most people, I don't want to say no one because I'm sure there's that one person. I knew he was no, going to be a star. As we, to we get him on the line all day, so most people didn't weren't upset about him being the one traded. You thought uh, um, Jose Martinez. Martinez was the one that that most people were frustrated about. It's always it's you never really know when you're trading people away because guys get better, some guys get worse. It's just trying to find the right guy, the right piece for that puzzle. And at the end of the day, 
after you scout them, after you do all of the development, they have to go out there and do their job. And as we saw, Brooke, uh, sorry to interrupt there, uh, over the course of the last quarter century, every single MVP that has been traded, the advantage has gone to the team that received the MVP. And here's something that kind of concerns me, too. Going back to the Jordan Walker thing, what did Jordan Walker say that he did down in the minors when he was talking about what he was focusing on? He started going back to what he normally did. So this is a quote that I forgot to tell you guys that I kind of sat on from this past weekend. It was the quote of the weekend from for me from last weekend. It was from Dylan Carlson when it talking about just kind of the hitting woes that we've seen. He said, almost going out there and playing, simplifying it, making it how the game was played your whole life growing up. There's definitely some advantage to that. It's a kid's game, right? Yep. Simplifying it, keeping it simple, sometimes being able to tune that out. That kind of goes back to... What what exactly is being told to hitters? Is that something that is not is taking away from this where they're not able to capitalize with runners in scoring position? Because they're thinking about something else rather than doing what got them to the big leagues naturally athletically? Uh, that would that would cause you to lock up in certain situations if you are naturally want to do something and 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 being told con- consistently to do something different well, that that might be an issue yogi berra said how can you think and hit at the same time <laughs> he's right he's right. seriously yeah coming up next on 101 espn rocks hill to die on you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers that is a take It's a strong take. It's one of the best takes ever. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's my opinion! Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. He's out of line, but he's right. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. It's one of our favorite segments. It's Matthew's... will die on. All right, what do you got for us, big boy? Well, I have to address the fact that yesterday my hill was uh, was called out by one Jamie Rivers. The fast lane does their little sports six-pack, and I have to step over really quick here because my mic doesn't stretch all the way. Um, so Jamie Rivers on the sports six-pack yesterday, they, were, they, ta- they brought up my hill to die on, which was, of course, about me not making my bed. And Jamie Rivers, well, he, 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 he flat broke it down. I used to be the same way. Unkept bed, unkept personal belongings, unkept person. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now I make my bed. So with my kids, I used to play this game. I still tell them. I said it's a um, it's the plus minus game. So you wake up, you make your bed, you're up, you're up one nothing. So I, making your bed is part of winning the day mm-hmm. for me. So the fact that Matt Rocchio doesn't make his bed tells me a lot. Oh, ouch. Holy smokes. That was... What? Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Salter, for for standing up for me. Jamie, you made it to the NHL without making your bed. You're not... That's not... I'm sorry. I'm not buying it right now. You made it to the NHL without making his bed. Come on. Uh... Put contention here. Yeah, no, no. Go ahead. Yes, when you're yes. staying in hotels all the time, they make your bed for they you. They do, actually. That's true. Yes. They do. 
Mm-hmm. So that kinda, makes it a tad bit I do easier. Have a, I do have a bit of a beef with uh, one Jamie Rivers. I love him. Don't step on my beef. This no, is no, my no. Beef. Well, I do because this is all of our beef. All right, all right, fine. He comes in here every day and turns this AC <laughs> on 42 degrees. I don't even know if it can go that low. It blows cold air all night long, and it generally takes us to about 930 to warm up. And uh, so, Jamie, if you could just be a be a good pal and maybe not turn the AC all the way down in the <laughs> yeah. studio. Taking maybe random, not. Taking <laughs> random pot shots at people, turning the studio way down. It's uncalled it for, Jamie. It really is. freezing in here. You can almost see your breath when we come in. And as long as Carrie's in front of me, I'll, I'll say that straight to your face. <laughs> so, straight, so basically, face. Jamie said that you're a loser then. That's where he I said I was an un- He said I was an un- unkept, unkept person. Unkept man. But if you're not, win- you're not winning the day unless you make your bed. You ain't first, you're last. Yeah. I'm, pl- I'm playing my own version of the plus-minus game. I'm plus. <laughs> I just, I just, that's just not. Oh that's not God. one of my scoring opportunities. Rules oh. don't matter to Rockio. <laughs> rules don't matter. These these are not rules. This is Jamie <laughs> making up a game on his on, out of his own brain, and oh, it's his it scares game. me what comes it, out of Jamie's brain. What what other hill did you have for us that you were going to die on? Yeah, today? this is, this is a personal I'm, one, and this one oh. this one's going to make me seem small. This one's going to make me seem petty. Okay. But um, you guys know what I'm talking. And this might be a St. Louis thing, so I'm so Brooke, stay, stay with me here for a second. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I I, I call something a suicide lane, on the, on the on the road? No, no. Do tell. Suicide lanes. I, that's the terminology I was taught. It's the that the turn lane in between like a four lane road, and, and people call it a suicide lane for people who use it to turn out into the road and then sit there in the middle before they the, then enter the traffic. Uh-huh. No, no, I'm talking about on like on like a, a, a like a, out here the turn on Olive or Watson, uh-huh. like big four lane roads oh, that have one turn lane, lane in the yeah. middle, so the that middle you can lane. merge. Yeah. And my thing is, is that that mm, that no. turn lane is there for people who are driving down the road. You enter the turn lane to make a left turn. It's not for people who are making a left turn onto the road to then sit in that lane and wait for an opportunity to then open up and get in the lane. If you do that, I'm speeding up and making sure that you're not getting into my lane. Well, I'm sorry, it's not what it's there for. So, so when, you're just rude. Yeah. It's not what it's there right. for. So you're going to cause accidents. So you're you're going to speed up so that you can prevent somebody else from getting into yeah. the flow of I'm not going to slow down so, so that they can stop the flow that of traffic. Means, that means that you are a rude driver. No, I'm no. You are. You, no, you no, by definition, you are 100% a rude driver. There, there is no but here. You're a rude driver. You let people in. You try to keep traffic going. That's what a good driver and a courteous driver does. You are, by definition, when you speed up to not allow somebody in, a rude driver. Driver. Congratulations, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Rockio. What I'm doing there actually oh, is I'm wow. actually stopping a rude driver because when you turn into the lane that is not there for you to stop in, what you're now doing is expecting traffic to slow down so that you, who is at a complete stop, Why do you can then get into nice? the lane. Because you're screwing up traffic you, by doing no, that. That's not the question. Why do you have a problem with being nice? Oh, I don't have a problem with being nice. So why don't you let people in? Because I don't. I'm not going to acquiesce to a rude person. You're you're the rude person. No, 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 no. I'm following the rules of the road. They're the rude person who's breaking I'm, the rules of the road. I'm still trying to figure out. So we're in the middle lane. You're turning. So we're right no, no. here. Yeah. Yep. You're yeah, in the yeah. middle lane. Or let's just say you're. I'm driving. I'm merging into traffic. So I would be going under the turn lane. Into the turn lane. But and then you, you expect somebody to let you in. You make a I, left I would, into the turn lane, which isn't. Yeah, that's not yeah. what it's there. For. It's there for people turning off of the road, not for people turning onto the road. You have to wait until all the lanes are clear into the lane you're trying to turn into, and then you make your left turn. You don't just get to camp out in that middle turn lane and wait for an sure opening. You do. No, you do not. Yeah, you no, do. you do not. I want you to know, and I'm looking right into you. <laughs> 
Brooks camera here. Oh, sorry. I, oh, I don't know. Whenever fun. people start yelling, I want to take video <laughs> of it because it's fantastic. I try to be nice to other people. That's one of my tenets in life is to one try to be nice. One of your core nice. principles. Yes, and mm-hmm. to try to make other people's lives better. Yeah. So yeah. I will let people in so that they can merge into traffic. I, I will wave at them when they sense. let me in yeah. so that we can have traffic. Because where else are they going to go is my question. Yeah. Where I, I, else I got a text are they from going my, to go? I got go. a text from my dear, beloved mother uh, who said who said she's dying up about this, but by the and, and by the way, using the suicide lanes for merging is illegal. That's completely illegal, and you're in the right. Well, uh-huh. here's the thing: if it's illegal, why don't they give tickets for it then? Uh, that's a good question. They probably Thank should. You very much. <laughs> they, they, I Thank definitely you. think they should. I've gotten I've gotten a ticket for uh, like illegal lane usage, not for that exact specific one, but for I've gotten illegal lane ticket before. I think you are okay turning into that lane because you are trying to get merge into traffic. Yeah. You're I not, don't think I don't no, think that that's wrong. You're turning and then you're expecting everyone Somebody to just to let, let you, you in, in. Even because, but everyone else is going the speed of the road. So you expect them to slow down to nothing to let you in and now traffic is getting slowed down. My point is that those people are impeding traffic. Hmm. Because they're expect because they're they're now again, on ramp on the highway is completely different. That is a completely different situation because everyone's supposed to be matching speeds there. You're supposed to let somebody in if they can't get 100% up to 60. You know, you're not supposed to be driving there if you're going 70 because it makes it impossible for people to then speed up and get over. <laughs> this is about people breaking the law and me simply It's not breaking a law. It it's is a though. turn lane. It's not a turn Show lane. Show me the law. On, you're, you're not allowed Show to Show me the law. We need a state trooper. We need a state trooper to weigh in. Also, can I just say something? Every city, look, every city has its thing that it's Mm. good and bad at when it comes to driving. I feel like here specifically in St. Louis, merging is like an Olympic sport. It is very intense here. It is very intense. A lot of Rockios out there. (laughs) No, it's all making sense to me now. It's all making sense to me now. Which, I mean, nobody's perfect, but, you know, it's... I, I'm sorry to pick up on They're this. They're merging now. illegally. You, you, people who are merging illegally shouldn't get to merge illegally. You have to follow the rules of the road. That's why there's issues. <laughs> Jamie, like, come on. Okay, this wait, isn't that complicated. We have issues. Jamie, Jamie Rivers just texted and said, are you supposed to just sit and wait for two hours <laughs> until three lanes of traffic right. open on on a busy street? <laughs> That's my question. How long does the person that you don't want to turn illegally don't air make quotes, left turns across long? three lanes of traffic. Where are you supposed to go, Rob? light. That part. What if there's no light nearby? That's a personal problem. Now you got to sit there no. and wait to make the left. You planned poorly in your day, and that is not no. my fault. You get in that lane, and then you uh, wait for a nice human being to allow you to merge into traffic. <laughs> I'm not slowing down from 40 to 25 just so you can get in front of me. I am going to for now. I don't, that's that's I bad don't think for you the road. have to slow down. You, I think you you do because people think... can't keep going the speed limit in the turn lane because there's other cars in front of them well, no. that are having to turn, so uh, they're stopped. Uh, so you can't keep speed. The entire reason merging on the highway makes sense is because people can keep speed. But this situation, we're talking about cars that are okay. moving in a stable car. Uh, we have many members of the St. <laughs> Louis law enforcement community that listen on a regular basis, and we would appreciate if you would Please. weigh in here. How many tickets? Have you given out for that? Thank That's you, what CD. I want to know. Thank How you. many tickets do you write up? I, I, I'm not saying what you're saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> I just want to know the percentage of tickets that are written for that because yeah. I've never seen it. I haven't either. And I didn't know that if it's against the law, everybody's doing it. So it really can't be a law. There you go. 
Okay, good. An unjust law is not a law. So, okay, we already got one. We already got one. Yes, it is illegal. I'm an SCL police officer. If you would cause an accident while merging, you would be at fault and issued an improper lane usage ticket. Now, if you get hit in the back as Rock is trying to match speed and not allow you to mm-hmm. merge because he's Matthew. I'm not going to hit another car. <laughs> well, you just said you're not going to slow down. So clearly no, you're going to... Because st- that's going to cause traffic. <laughs> and an accident won't? Well, but the other person put themselves in an illegal spot to cause the accident. I don't Can know I how I got to feel bad about that. Can I ask that. you a question? This is a real question. What... what, what is it going to harm you to allow that person in? That's a real question. What would what in your day that clearly every second matters in Matthew Rocchio's day? He doesn't make a bed. He doesn't warm up pop tarts. So every second matters. What is that? Ten seconds, five seconds going to cost you in your day? It doesn't. But okay, can I say why though? No, no. Can I I explain why though, Carrie? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But I caught you and you lost this round. So it's a it's a matter of 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 integrity in your opinion. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Okay. Coming up, I'm going to die on for sure. No doubt. Coming up on 101 ESPN, now that Lamar Jackson has a new offensive coordinator and he's back long-term with the Ravens, what's his ceiling look like? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A lot of teams going through mandatory minicamps this week and over the course of the weekend. One of those, the Baltimore Ravens, who assigned their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, to a new five-year contract. He has a new player to throw to in Odell Beckham Jr., whom he called a legend. He said a lot of us that grew up watching Odell Beckham Jr. really have a great deal of respect. And one of the things that Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator in Baltimore, wants Lamar to do is be more vocal and take more control of the offense. He's a guy, Lamar is a, a smart football player, and he's a guy that wants to run a more traditional offense. He doesn't want to run the ball as much. He wants to throw it. I'll be interested to see how this manifests itself, if Munkin will allow him to make changes at the line of scrimmage and like he said, be more vocal with his teammates. It's all about how comfortable he is with the offense and <clears throat> how well you know they mesh and how well they gel. Uh, I think the 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 notion that Lamar Jackson is simply a running quarterback has been a terrible uh, take for many years, in my opinion. And and if you really watch him play football and watched him play both at Louisville and his career in the NFL, he's a a fantastic football player, a fantastic quarterback. You get a new offensive coordinator. Hopefully you get guys running the correct routes, being in the right spot, and not having to lean so heavily on him uh, running the football. J.K. Dobbins being healthy is going to be a critical part for their run game if they can get him healthy. And, and Gus Edwards got hurt last year. They had a lot of injuries in that backfield. So hopefully with the, the, the additions to the receiving core, Zay Flowers is going to be a star at receiver alongside of OBJ. You got Mark Andrews, who is probably eh, number two or three, mm-hmm. depending on where you put George Kittle at tight end. Um I think it's going to be a really good season for them offensively. And if they can hold up defensively, that was one of the issues they had last year. Their defense gave up a lot of points in the fourth quarter when when the Ravens were leading games. So if they can keep that from happening and that offense can can thrive in the manner that I think it will, they're going to be a really good team this year. By the way, they had, I think at one time, 19 players on the injured they list too. They were banged up yeah. last year. They, they, it just, they just kept falling, falling, falling. And, and so you get everybody healthy and hopefully – 
this will uh, be a good team, good season for Lamar and his team. And what a division that has a chance to be. If Deshaun Watson returns to football form with the talent that they have on the Cleveland offense, with the talent that Pittsburgh has on their offense, if Kenny Pickett ascends, and then we already know about the Bengals yep. and all the players they have with Joe Burrow, that could be a really fun division to watch. That whole AFC is going to be that division. The AFC East is a tough division. You could have three teams coming out of there. You could have four teams coming out of the AFC North, depending on how well Kenny Pickett is, is in his second year. I, I really like the uh, Steelers and what they have both offensively and defensively. They got stars on top of stars, so I think they're going to be really good this year. George Pickens is going to be a superstar in this league. He is a spectacular player as well for Pittsburgh. That's going to be a division where you're going to want to win the division, and and if you don't, they could you could have two to three teams coming out of there because they're all going to be fighting for for you know that divisional lead. By the way, speaking of George Pickens, there's a report out this morning that the Bears are very unhappy with Chase Claypool. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I told you all the the craziest thing to me. <laughs> you got to pay attention to the minor detail things. It's it's all about the minor detail things. They sent Claypool to pick George Pickens when he he's the the one that took the draft card up to the podium to pick. George Pickens. Mm-hmm. I said, that's intriguing because he's going to replace you at some point. And here we are a few years later. Chase Claypool is uh, still struggling with the Bears, had struggled with the Steelers, and that's a that's a tough way to go about your day-to-day business. Well, and you've talked about that in the past, too, of just kind of seeing the writing on the wall. And Aaron Rodgers kind of said that, too, where he noticed that with the Packers, he knew what was happening when, it, when they brought him in. And you see that writing on the wall of when somebody's going to take your spot. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know oh, yeah. it's coming. It's very clear. Even if they don't say it, it's very clear. Especially when they draft them in the first round. Yes. Your job is, uh, you only got it for a little bit longer, if you have it any longer. Yeah. One other note among AFC teams is that the New England Patriots had DeAndre Hopkins leave town without a contract. If I'm DeAndre Hopkins, and I know he wants his money, but... And I get that he played for Bill O'Brien in Houston, had his greatest NFL success under the new Patriots offensive coordinator when they were both in Houston. That being said, if I'm a wide receiver signing a one-year contract, I don't want to be catching balls from Mac Jones, and I don't want to have an offense that's coached by Bill Belichick, who is still, at his heart, a run-first-and-play-defense kind of a guy. How many wide receivers do they have to sign, veteran wide receivers, before people start to get the clue that that's not the place to go to enhance your value as a wide receiver? They have only had one in recent memory, whether it was drafted or signed, and that would be Randy Moss. Mm -hmm. And you could have put Randy Moss on any team, and he was going to be a superstar. They don't do well with the receiver core in terms of getting those guys the ball, finding those elite type of receivers, receivers. I don't think that that's where he's going to go, but if his options are limited between Tennessee and New England, sorry, Brooke. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> look, I, I know. I know. It's it's fine. Does that also show you, too, that it's maybe more about the money with him, too, and yes. that's what he's holding out for? Well, I, I think the money, obviously, is going to play. That's going to be important. But if your only two options are playing with Ryan Tannehill or Will Levis versus Mac Jones— I mean, not yeah. like it's it's great either way, but I think you would go with Mac Jones because of the the history of that organization. Because as co- as 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 Randy just said, they're going to be able to run the football. Ramondre Stevenson is a stud at at running back, so they're going to run the football and they're going to play great defense. That would be the way you go, and that's a tougher division than than the AFC South is. But 
basing it off of one-year deals and having a quarterback to get you the ball so that you can get another deal, it probably would be Mac Jones. So what are you waiting to – what do you think he's waiting to see from New England then? Waiting and why, on a, waiting on oh. a third suitor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. The Carolina Panthers have $27 million in cap space. They have a rookie wide receiver. They have a, an offensive-based coach in Frank Reich. They have an owner with a ton of money. He's from – he went to school at Clemson, yep. right? And he's from South Carolina. Yep. or I think he's also from South Carolina yep. in addition to going to Clemson. I don't know why there wouldn't be a marriage between DeAndre Hopkins and the Panthers. I just don't get it. I don't know that either. I don't, they, and they're they're not a franchise that has even mentioned his name. So I, no. I don't know. They they've talked about him going to Buffalo on a lower salary. Uh, um, the Chiefs on a lower salary. The Chiefs have eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's going to be a really low salary. Yeah. So it, it's going to be what he feels like he deserves. I think he's looking for that OBJ free agent money, which fifteen million. It probably. I don't know if there's enough money left out there for him to get that. Yeah. Indy has twenty three million. Indy would be a good choice, in my opinion. Do you want to play with a rookie quarterback? They they need a number one receiver. Jonathan Taylor is going to be healthy this year, hopefully. And the way that they run the ball, we just talked about the AFC mm-hmm. South. That's a division that is really up for grabs. If you could go there and be their number one receiver, that could be a really good place for them. And by the way, we had heard early rumors of him reuniting, him Hopkins, reuniting with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. And they have enough cap space as well. And they could really use the talent at wide receiver. I love DeAndre Hopkins. I, even though he's 31, I still yeah. think he's one of the rare wide receivers that I would be confident in at the age of 30 or 31. I agree. He's very good. Even though he was hurt. Well, and last year he did get hurt and had the, he had the performance in Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got the largest hands and he catches everything. Yeah. Yes. So I'd, I'd take him. Hey, Arizona shouldn't have cut him, as, nah, as it turns out. They're just... But it's Arizona. What do you expect? Right? It's a city that traded Paul Goldschmidt. Well, there we, you go. No, what do they yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, coming up next, what's on tap as we head down the stretch towards BK and Ferrario. Cardinals in action tonight against New York, but a busy weekend, including Father's Day this weekend. We're, we'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Cardinals pitching Miles Michaelis tonight at City Field as they open a three-game series against the Mets. Taylor McGill will go for New York, and the Cardinals will go this entire Father's Day weekend without having to see Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. You'd think that that would be an advantage, but it is the 2023 Cardinals, so we don't know how many how many advantages they have the ability to take advantage of. Because yeah. they just haven't been great so far. Not great. 15 games under. But if they win 15 in a row, they'll be at well, 500. If you just do the things that, that they are 7-16 and 16 in one-run games, mm-hmm. they have blown 15 saves. If you just win half of those, if you win seven games, you are right there at 500. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's that's... That changes. You blow a save. That usually means you're winning, right? You have an opportunity yep. to win the game. Yep. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, that, that is correct, that is generally how that works. You're leading, and then you lose, or, or you give up the lead. And so, 15 times is a lot. Seven and 16 in one run games is a lot. That's one or two things, one or two miscues throughout the entire game or late in the game that causes you to lose it. And so, when you stop doing that, you start winning. I just got to do it. Yeah, I just I'm also tired of 
seeing other teams, like when you look at that game the other day, where other teams are able to capitalize with runners in scoring position, they other how is everybody else finding a way against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals can't find a way whatsoever to just just score with this, runners in scoring position? Brooke, this is not definitive, but it is kind of alarming when you have a guy that gets his bat on the ball and hits line drives and, and doesn't strike out, and you send him down because you want more lift and a greater walk rate. Sometimes it is, and you just look at the way that the Giants scored their three runs in the 10th the other day. Sometimes there is an advantage to getting a runner in scoring position and hitting a bloop for a base hit that gets the runner home. Now, they started off, obviously, with a runner at second. But during the course of the game, during the course of the series, were the Giants willing to move a runner up to get him into scoring position and then not concern themselves with exit velocity, but just get your bat on the ball? They did. And that's one of the reasons that the Giants were able to sweep that series. But one of the little things the Cardinals don't do well is just simply get your bat on the ball. They're so obsessed with hitting the ball out of the ballpark that they're almost incapable of getting a base hit to score a run. Well, and we don't know the pitching philosophy. We don't know the hitting philosophy, but it almost is like what you're talking about. That's That seems what the hitting philosophy is. They are very reliant on the home run. How many times have we talked about this, this season where it seems like it's home run or bust? That's mm-hmm. it. That's right. That's it. And same thing with the pitching staff. I don't know what the pitching staff's philosophy is, but it seems like it's pitch to contact, right? What has been happening lately? You talked about it earlier during a break. What has been happening a lot? They've been getting yeah, hit. Well, they, these ground ball pitchers have become fly ball pitchers, yeah. and the outfield defense has allowed a lot of allowed exactly. a lot of balls to fall in. So that philosophy, if that is the case, is not working. Well, and philosophically, the Cardinals appear, and this is just by appearances' sake, to still be a three true outcome offense. And the best offenses in the league, when you look at the way Texas performs, when you look at the way Tampa Bay performs, they aren't three true outcome, which are home run, strikeout, walk offenses anymore. They're able, because of the rules changes, which allow left-handed hitters to become singles hitters again, teams have taken advantage of that. I don't think the Cardinals have caught up to what the rules changes and the advantages the rules changes present them can do. Yeah, I... Look, and you don't make the moves yesterday, and so that's saying that you still believe in this team. You don't think that there's any big shakeup right at this moment that that you need to have done. But maybe these are just some small changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I brought this up earlier. Like Jordan Walker, for example. Do you just have him kind of DH a little bit more? I know that we're trying to get him more comfortable in the outfield, but also you give him a chance to even have that time to work with Willie McGee more. He's figuring out hitting-wise. And he had, I don't know if he, does he still have the streak going? I can't remember. Yeah, eight games. Eight game hitting streak. That's fine. Just let him DH a little bit, get a little bit more comfortable in the outfield because it seems like there's times where he doesn't look as confident and comfortable. And then also, Wilson Contreras. We, We talked about how he's dropped off a little bit. Well, not just a little bit, but especially more lately. Move him down. Mm-hmm. Move him down in the lineup. And JW did get an opportunity to hit in the yeah. five hole the other day. Went Keep him there five. and then move Contreras. Down. And those are just yeah. small moves, seven. but if you're not going to do anything yesterday, I'm just saying let's just try something different. With you. Agree. I, I agree. I mean, figuring something out, we'll see what the lineup looks like today uh, when they get to New York. If they're 
same as it has been. Or if you have Jordan Walker in that five hole and if Wilson is playing, he's down lower in the in the lineup and. Chip said it best. Just drive the ball to the opposite field. If he gets back to doing that, he's he's. It feels like he's pressing right now because everything is going in a way that he's probably not accustomed to. Trying to pull everything, trying to hit everything out of the ballpark to get himself out of it. A bloop single feels on the on the stats. It says one for one. So yep. doesn't matter wh- where it goes as long as it lands and in, in not in somebody's glove. Now we have your opportunity to score a pair of weekend passes for the Evolution Festival, August twenty sixth and twenty seventh in Forest Park. You can see Brandy Carlisle, aka Brandy Carly, uh, the Black Keys, <laughs> the Black Crows, Ben Harper. Ice Cube and many more at the Evolution Festival. Both weekend and single day passes for the Evolution Festival are on sale now. Get all the ticket details at 101ESPN.com or text in right now to 314-399-9646 to win your chance for free passes. And here's the question. It'll be texture number 16 that answers this question correctly. Carrie brought up our conversation with Chip Carey. What did Kerry referred to the idea of trading Paul Goldschmidt as. What was the word that Kerry, that uh, Chip, Chip Kerry used to describe <laughs> the idea of trading Paul Goldschmidt? It's a great okay. word. And if you can text in that word and be texter number 16, you'll win the tickets to the Evolution Festival. It'll be pretty cool. It was a great word. I told him it was a great word. So if you were listening, you should know. And then we've got St. Louis City SC taking on Nicheville. No, uh, this is good. No mixed emotions for Brooke, even though she's from Nashville. She's a St. Louis City SC fan. And it's kind of a bummer that we have the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals uh, uh, over because all we've got now is Cardinal Baseball. Yeah, and City SC. And City SC, too. And City SC. Yeah, let's go City. Uh, yeah, I don't have any Nashville. Yep. I don't have any Nashville <laughs> SC stuff at home. All I have is City SC. So. There you go. There you go. We know who through you're through. I like that. Ravioli boys. Yeah. There you go. Do you know what they're doing for you for Father's Day? I have no clue. I don't know. Uh, I don't I, either. I don't know. You know what, Randy? I, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> oh, okay. Because, you know, we love our mothers. Mm-hmm. We love the women in our lives. Yeah. And Mother's uh-huh. Day is a fantastic, special uh-huh. holiday. I wish the same energy was put into the advertising and the commercials and the preparation for Father's Day as it is for Mother's yeah. Day. I say a lot of stuff for Father's yeah, Day, I feel not like. Not me. You not take what me. are you doing for Dad for Father's Day? Um, I have sent him some things. A card. Yes, yes. And he said a car. Like, a Ooh. car? Yeah, yeah. A brand yeah. new car. No. Isn't that what everybody does? <laughs> As you're talking about nobody does anything for Father's Day. Well, I send my dad a car, so there I don't know you what you're talking about. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> um no, my my dad, like I've told you guys before, likes two things. Tennessee football, and that's the Vols, and that's the Titans, and that's it. And if it's not going well, he doesn't wear any of those things. That's how you know they're not doing well. And that's one of the wonders of the internet. You never had to deal with this of trying to find being out of town, Tennessee stuff in St. Louis, yeah. and then getting it to your dad. All you have to do is hop on the internet, click done. It yeah. was it was difficult back in my day. Really? Oh yeah, you just couldn't find Tennessee stuff at a St. Louis store and That's then send true. it to Tennessee. No. Yeah. So unless it's like on a discount rack at like TJ Maxx right. or yeah. something like yeah. that. So just one shirt too. <laughs> you guys have Hopefully it's the right size. <laughs> Easy life. Well, so here's the thing: Kid, uh, moms, kids, families. Uh, if dad likes to do something. 
take him out to do it, whether it's taking him out for a great meal or maybe going. We did Top Golf on Sunday night. Top Golf is always fun. If the kids are golfers, go out and hang out with dad on the golf course or the driving range or something like that. If dad likes to go for a run, act like you like running and go and, and do that. Whatever your dad likes doing, whatever the hobby is, just do it with him, and he will enjoy it. So uh, take advantage of it. And then a great meal, whether it's a, a great steak dinner or maybe he likes pizza, whatever it is, take him to his favorite spot, and you'll be happy, I think. He'll be happy. I do like seeing the difference between the Father's Day cards and, like, Mother's Day cards yeah. and, like, how it's, like, very, like, corporate commercial. Like, the Father's mm-hmm. Day, it's all blue. The whole the whole aisle is blue, and there's, like, fishing stuff yeah, and yep. all the <laughs> and beer, and I'm, like, going through this. I'm, like, okay, what... What seems like my dad? I don't know. <laughs> right. And then mom, it's all this pink stuff. The whole aisle's pink. Yeah. It's it's, it's very fascinating. Worlds. Very interesting. Uh, great job today by our producer, audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, Matthew. Pleasure. And be careful if you're trying to merge into traffic and have somebody be courteous <laughs> if Matthew is on the road with you. Please do. Just be careful. That's all. <laughs> Just try you know try to drive illegally. <laughs> oh my God. Thanks, Brooke. Yeah, this is fun. Have a good uh, weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna watch out for Rocchio on the road. Good idea. CD. And we hope you have a great Father's Day weekend. Enjoy all the sports, and uh, we'll be thinking of you until Monday morning at seven. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.